listeners of Rankin Review, and welcome to the second part of the Dead Festival. Festival of the Dead. It's Dead Fest, yo. We are looking at 18 zombie movies that were reviewed within the first 50 episodes of Rankin Review. Yes, it's kind of a clip show, but uh, we're going to get through the next nine reviews here, and then I will rank all of them for you. All 18 of these undead films. So I hope you're into that, and I hope you enjoy it, and I promise that there will be some new rank and review material to come in the coming weeks. My name is Larry Parsons. I am your host and random Canadian. I'd like to thank all of my listeners and all of my guests who helped put together this compilation episode, and I hope you enjoy it. Please send feedback to rankinreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W. And as usual, beware of spoilers, and beware of course language. Special cargo. Top level contractor shipment. Hey, yo, Tom. You're Peter's best friend. What if somebody sees us? So when you sit down to watch a movie that is called <laughs> Flight, Flight of, the of the Living Dead, Dead. I think you gotta take a few things on the chin. I mean, Right out of the gate, I could talk about the inconsistency of how the zombie behavior within the movie, or the fact that machine gun fire, or really any kind of gunfire, anywhere on board any airplane, <laughs> equals disaster. I could go there. I yeah. could come out of the gate and say, yeah, so this movie's stupid, it doesn't make any sense. But I think in order to even begin talking about the movie, we just have to say, this movie is stupid and doesn't make any is, sense. Yeah. This, it does exactly what it says on the tin. <laughs> so, um, some scientists are smuggling a body of their fellow scientist on board a, uh, an airplane, and obviously they are up to no good. They have an armed guard protecting their cargo. So it's weird because it's both being smuggled and it's got an armed guard. Yeah. But again, we're, we're, I'm overthinking it. Uh, They're dressed up all government officially. It looks fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's all fine. <laughs> we are very briefly introduced to our types. I won't say characters. I will say types. <laughs> uh, the Kevin J. O'Connor is sort of like the con artist guy. He's under arrest, but he's not such a bad guy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, we've got... The Eric Avery playing the Cooper character, the head of the scientists, who does everything wrong mm -hmm. all the time, aggravates the situation, belittles everyone around him. We look forward to his death. Um, uh, we have the blandly good stewardess, the blandly good sort of uh, airline yeah. investigator. I mean... Who are marked to live. <laughs> yeah. So you already love or hate this movie, I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> like, um... <laughs> It was direct-to-video. It's uh, the guy who 
directed his name Scott Thomas. He's done nothing really of note before or since. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, if you can make a low-budget zombie movie and push it out direct-to-video, you, you know, the timing is right. You are yeah. going to make a return. If you're in a position to make a zombie movie, I say more power to you. <laughs> I, I, Do it now. <laughs> the market is crowded with zombie movies. And to be honest, as far as direct-to-video zombie movies go, mm -hmm. this is all right. Yeah. This is all right. Stupid, 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 <laughs> but all right. You just, uh, I mean... I know there's a lot of people that just roll their eyes. Like, why would you even take the time to discuss Flight of the Living Dead? Um... I understand that, that this is dismissible to a lot of people, but if it's not dismissible to you, if, you're, <laughs> if, the, if the title intrigues you, I mean, yeah. it will deliver on that promise in as limited a way as you can imagine <laughs> it would. There is a sequence in the Brad Pitt big-budget zombie movie, World War Z, mm -hmm. where we see an outbreak happen on a plane, but it's a five-minute sequence, you know? <laughs> And um, to my mind, especially with these types of zombies, that's probably a little bit more, and again, realistic yeah. as to what you would see. Um, so the movie takes its time. It's got a little bit of a made-for-TV bounce and quality to it. Yeah. Uh, one moment it wants to be funny and charming. The other moment, horrific, horrific <laughs> violence. Um, it's kind of review-proof to me. So I'm yeah. going to throw the ball right back in your court. Yeah, no, I this was this was a fun turn off your brain, low budget, no surprises horror film. And there there are days when that's exactly what you want. And the day I watched it, it was exactly what I wanted. <laughs> it um, would be actually a suiting antidote in a way for the midnight meat yeah. train if it left up that left kind of a sour taste in your mouth and you wanted some more familiar ground. Yeah. All of the actors are adequate. Um, the the guy being a trans the transported prisoner was like just snarky and lippy enough and yeah. gave me kind of a little John Malkovich vibe and that made me happy and um, there are there are some good zombie kills uh, there's there's these one... are by the way malaria virus infected super zombies oh. just for those keeping track at home <laughs> if you're playing zombie bingo you can check that one off uh, again initially the zombies seem uh, a little more Romero-ish, and that they seem a little bit... They're motivated to eat you, and when they get close range, they're vicious, but they seem a little bit of, of a stagger mm -hmm. to them. But as the movie progresses, they're able to break through the floor of the plane and attack people on cue. Yeah. Um, they're much like the killer we talked about in The Hitcher, wherever they need to be, when they need to be there. Yeah. But because there's a multitude of them, I guess there's more legitimacy. <laughs> I can't believe I used the word legitimacy while talking in, about Flight of yeah. the Living <laughs> But... Uh, <laughs> The man who plays the pirate, Raymond J. Barry, has been a working actor for a long time. He's the only person who comes close to, quote, distinguishing himself. But it, it's almost more of a, man, what are you doing in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I recently uh, was amused by that actor in this Lockhart, the Dewey Cox story. He plays Dewey's dad in that. Mm. Inadvertently cuts himself in half with a machete. Spoilers. Other than that, I don't think that anybody in this movie really made an impression on me as far as their acting. No. I recognize Kevin J. O'Connor as somebody that I've seen in other things, but I was trying to name what they were. He's just like <laughs> that guy that I've yeah. seen in some stuff, maybe. <laughs> 
It's like one of those movies where they need to put the picture by the actor's name at the end because you're like, where? I want to look up where you're from, but I can't remember what you're called, so I can't. But in a way, for me, that's like the ideal kind of level of success. If you're a regularly working actor, but you're not like in the sort of public consciousness Mm -hmm. of celebrity, then then in a way, winning, as far as I'm concerned. uh, I'm not making fun of anybody or looking down at anybody for participating in Flight of the Living Dead, no. by the way. If I was offered a part in Flight of the Living Dead, I would be there with a huge fucking smile yeah. on my face. <laughs> but I would be there knowing that I was not making high art. And yeah. that's fine. Well, that's fine. Not every movie has to, you know... And the, the place of entertainment is really overlooked yeah. in some circles sometimes. Like, I'm not. I'm not going to lie, though. I mean, for all the the nice and conclusions that I'm saying about it, it's not going to rank particularly high on the list for me. It's not high, high on yeah. the list, but uh, it just it's it is it's an is what it is movie. Yeah, and and it's really it's upfront about what it is. It has no pretensions, and I can really respect that it did what it set out to do. I can totally see somebody looking at this movie and laughing and having a good time. Yeah. I can also subtly see somebody watching this movie and feeling stupider for having watched <laughs> it and, uh, you know, resenting their time. And that's largely but mood that specific. But that person can turn it off Indeed. and go watch Midnight Meat Train and have their brain <laughs> or, you know, this, this, turned. Or... <laughs> it's different so for this different folks. I, I will happily tune in and watch Fight of the Living Dead. I don't know how much repeat business it's going to get, but mm-hmm. I will watch it. I will give it its day in court. The same way, you know... My wife will watch some Katherine Heigl romantic comedy yeah. that, just from the trailer, you know the whole movie. Yeah. And same thing with Fight of the Living Dead. You watch the trailer, you basically watch the movie. Um, there is some CGI effects when they kept the exterior of the plane. We're noticeably in CGI world, but <laughs> it, again, this is an openly low-budget film. Yeah. And I guess for the fact that it is so low-budget, there is some pretty impressive sequences. Again, all framed by ludicrous. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's it's a want to be snakes on a plane. The, my my summary was to paraphrase Jam- Samuel L. Jackson: "I'm tired of these motherfucking zombies on this motherfucking plane." <laughs> but really... it was sorely missing some Sam Jackson, though. I mean, uh, I think that we did maybe need a central character who I could care enough to mm-hmm. bother their name. Like I said, I, think, I, I wrote think... down their types here in my yeah. notes as opposed to their actual names. I think even. the stewardess was the person we were supposed to care about, yeah. but that's someday. Ashley, someday they're going to make a horror movie that takes place on a plane where people don't go to the bathroom to have sex. <laughs> <laughs> this, this was not, not that, that day. one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we'll all wait patiently for that. I don't think it happened in the segment in, in, in uh, Twilight Zone with John Lithgow on the plane, but I don't know if that counts because it's just a segment. segment. I'm, I'm sure that at some point in the larger story surrounding that segment, <laughs> it happened. It's just... Um, Is there anything else you would like to say about Flight of the Living Dead? I feel like I've barely reviewed yeah. it. But, uh... Uh, there was there was actually, I thought, a really nice scene when Patient Zero wakes up in the cargo hold and she like came out of her coffin-y thing and she hadn't turned it. She actually hadn't turned she into a zombie yet. She was confused by her environment. confused and afraid and asking for help and the guy shoots her and that's when she turns into a zombie and I was like, I'm like, I, I, I engaged with her briefly yeah. that that and that's moment. more she than you'd expect. She was the most expect. interesting character in the movie. Um, but, uh, another thing, again, we were the plot <laughs> mechanisms of the script. As far as I'm concerned, <laughs> government of Canada or the United States, 
if you have a plane that is fully fueled and there's a zombie epidemic on board mm -hmm. and I'm on board, you have my permission to blow up the plane. It's just the right thing to do. <laughs> it's just the right yeah. thing to do. We, we see as they crash the plane that a lot of the zombies survive. <laughs> so uh, I don't think there would be a flight of the living dead to this would just turn into another zombie yeah. movie on the ground. But um, uh, in a way, our heroes by surviving have doomed the planet. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that the writers thought that deeply about it, <laughs> but I'm just throwing that <laughs> well, out. Well, or they were setting themselves up for if we want to do a, I but don't again, know, train of the living dead. Ooh, I'd be in that movie. Yeah, you would. Please <laughs> <laughs> pay attention. This message is for your own safety. Our nation is in crisis. A state of emergency has been declared. Should you find your safety compromised, it is vital that you do not panic. Trying to avoid detection. Two seconds. Use weapons to defend yourself. Remember, that's the second half we ever bought. Purple rain. No, sanitize. Definitely not. Oh, that's strange. Sorry. And remember, the attackers can be stopped by removing the head or destroying the brain. Right. And so it was. We came to Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead. Uh, first of. Uh, Trilogy that he's hoping to create, a genre tri trilogy, is that correct? I guess. Well, it's a trilogy of talent, anyway. <laughs> uh, the the Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg and uh, what's the name of the other actor? Sorry, Peck? blanking. No, not Peck. Uh, uh, Frost. Nick Frost. Nick Frost, thank you. I can't believe I blanked on his name. Yes, they've done this movie, Shaun of the Dead. They did Hot Fuzz, which is much loved. I'm mm. not as big a fan of Hot Fuzz as everybody else in the world seems to be. Yeah. And then they have a new uh, comedy coming out this October, I believe, uh, about World's End, about the end, apocalypse. Made funny by these guys. Edgar Wright's also a director coming up in the world. He did the underrated, but I think quite quite entertaining, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Ah. And he's uh, contributing to Marvel's Phase 2 with Ant-Man, a really bizarre choice. There, there's some interesting titles coming out up in this post-Avengers world. Um, but anyway, the, the trifecta of talent between those two leads and that director... Um, produced Shaun of the Dead, and before this they'd done a show called Spaced, which had a zombie-themed episode, which was really the real sort of inspiration for what became Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead is a zombie romantic comedy. It is a zombie rom-com. Mm -hmm. A zom-rom-com, as I will <laughs> call it. And um, it works as a romantic comedy, and it works as a zombie movie, and it works as a comedy. It's it, like... It's firing on all cylinders. And if on top of being a fan of those three genres, you uh, really know your zombie trivia, there's so many references to so many different directors and films and uh, well, just zombie cinema. It's definitely it's a, a feast. It's a, it's a love letter. It's a love letter to zombie films. Yeah. Uh, Simon Pegg loves them. Um, and, that, and that's what I'm really curious to see. Is other, like Hot Fuzz was also a pretty good action movie. 
Yeah, well, that's what it was built out. I think that was my beef with the movie, because they were building it like we're making fun of the Michael Bay action films. And really, it was a fish-out-of-water comedy for the first two-thirds, mm -hmm. and then it was an action movie. Mm -hmm. Whereas I went into it like, yeah, let's go, let's see some explosions, yeah. let's see them make fun of Michael Bay, because he's very make fun of you know. But who's got um, the budget for that? But that was definitely outside of my wheelhouse. Whereas this film, when they're dealing with zombies, well, I love zombies. So this was, a, this was a soft pitch for me. I mean... I like I said, this is a movie that felt like the cosmos created just to please me, <laughs> and the, the screenplay is so rich. They have layered so many things into it. Characters who are tertiary and uh, background characters in the early scenes, you will see again throughout the movie as zombies. Mm -hmm. um, they will set out lines like the uh, "You've got red on you," initially with pen, uh, later with blood. Uh, the 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 screenplay is so packed and so, you know, just well done that even though you're going to see a guy get ripped in half and have his guts eaten by zombies, you can take your girlfriend to this movie. She will like it and you will likely get some. <laughs> um, depending on the girl. Depending yeah, on the I, girl. Yeah. We, we had a discussion earlier about whether or not there, anything could be sexy about a zombie movie. To me, zombies are the... The antithesis of, of, of sex. So of any other genre, you can't really... They don't blend well at all. But anyway, that's a discussion for another day. Anyway. Uh, but hey, if, if you can get laid after this movie, more power to you. So we got the story of Sean and his best friend uh, living their lives. And uh, the people of London living their lives as zombies, essentially. There's a bit of a montage at the beginning that sort of says, hey, maybe we're already zombies, kind of thing. It's, it's a bit cute. The setup is fairly familiar as far as a lot of, you know, story arcs of a character who's maybe not taking his life as seriously as he should, taking his girlfriend for granted. And what's going to wake him up? What's going to make him focus himself and really, you know, step up to the plate? Well, it turns and out... And start living. <laughs> Well, that that thing, the, that thing that will wake him out of his stupor, is the zombie apocalypse. In a lot of ways, it's the worst thing that happens to all of Sean's friends and family. But it's one of the best things that could have happened for him. <laughs> a real boost to the relationship, too. I think this is a world that he can understand and that he can yeah, thrive in. Exactly. Whereas the regular workaday world was kind of, I think, beating him down. A well, it's bit. kind of like uh, Tallahassee said in in uh, in Zombieland. You know, my mom said, "Do something that you're good at." Turns out, I'm good at killing zombies. Well, <laughs> this is him. This is his chance to shine. This is where he gets to be good at something. Uh, he managed to maintain a level head. Like he really, he's he's the he's the driving force of this movie. He really is a hero. Even though his plan, which is let's go to the bar and wait this out, is not that different than the plan for his life. Let's yeah. go to the bar and wait it out. Um, <laughs> he he steps up to the plate and he rescues his girlfriend and attempts to save his, his friends mom and family. Too. And, and his, his mom. His, uh, his friends too, yeah. yeah. Um, I love zombie movies, as I keep on saying. And I love particularly, usually the first act of a zombie movie, when things are starting to fall apart, but people don't know it. Mm -hmm. um, one of the best examples of that is the first ten minutes of the remake of Dawn of the Dead. Uh, one of my favorite bits of this whole movie is the, day, the first day of the zombie apocalypse. Sean takes a walk from his apartment to the store and grabs a couple of uh, treats for he and his buddy and back home again. 
and he passes several zombies and several bodies and does not notice. He is so into that routine. He has walked back and forth from that store so many times that he can do so and not notice that the world has completely fallen into chaos. And uh, up to the point where he actually slips in blood in the, in, the, in the store, almost falls, but keeps on walking and does not notice it. I just... There's so many laughs to be had in this movie. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I, I guess if there's a weak link, I don't know how much chemistry I felt between Sean and his lady love. Mm -hmm. Although they have precious little screen time together to really develop that. Yeah. And most of the time that they are together, they're, you know, fending off zombies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, and, and also, I mean, I think one of the things with the movie is that the, the thrill is gone with the relationship. She's, she's tired of him being a... He was a, he was charming being allowed the first few years, yeah, exactly. but she realized that this is this is what he's got yeah. to offer. And yeah, yeah no. so yeah, when they when they first meet up, the relationship is is over, and so that might explain the lack of chemistry. Uh, <laughs> anyway, that's that's a, that's a detail, really. But yeah, and, and and actually, characters in a movie, London, or well, whatever. This this is this is a very English movie. Like everything about it is just. I don't think you can make this movie in like you know small town. Middle America or anything like that. There's a, it's it's British comedy. Yeah. And a Severance again was was British comedy. I don't I don't think anyone else could really quite pull it off in that same way. That sort of deadpan. Um, oh, so this is happening. Yeah. Sort of sort of feel. Well, it's funny. Like his bromance that he has with the Nick Frost character. Nick Frost sort of seems to be the uh, emulation or the physical. Uh, representation of all of Sean's worst impulses <laughs> sort of put into one person. Uh, but he loves that guy, you know, so he feels like it's okay to be that guy because that guy's a lot of fun to be with. Um, but uh, I guess the lesson is sooner or later you gotta, you got to live your life. You can't be the fun, goofy guy all the time. Sooner or later you got to roll up your sleeves and work on, you know, a career or a relationship or whatever you're going to do. Yep. And um, he pulls through. He pulls and, through and, for his girlfriend, for his mom, his friends. You know, he just has to find a place for his his animal side. And as we find out, it turns out to be the shed in the backyard. <laughs> but uh, that's the other thing about this movie. I mean, as much as it, you can bring your girlfriend to it, like I said, and she will like it. This is a zombie movie. The body count is high. And people die by being ripped apart yes. by zombies. Yes. And uh, people we like die by being ripped apart by zombies, you know? It's not like at the end of the movie everybody magically is okay again, you know? Yeah. Uh, and uh, considering, I mean, uh, this this apocalypse compared to a lot of the other zombie movies I've seen seems like a much more fixable one. Uh, the people seem a lot more in control. Society is holding together better than we've seen in a lot of other ones. <laughs> but uh, this movie brings the red. It also brings the, the romance and the comedy, but it is a zombie movie. And, it's not uh, a movie, it is a horror. No, <laughs> no question about that. Everybody should walk away happy from this movie. <laughs> I mean, unless you're dead set against violence or you're dead set against romance, this movie is just... <laughs> it is the quintessential Zomrom-com. <laughs> yeah, I like this. For Chris, Cindy, and JC. It's going to be the best night of their lives. But tonight is also the night of the creeps. From a world unknown comes a nightmare unimagined. First, 
They are under you, around you, on you, and then inside you. They get in through your mouth, and you walk around while they incubate, even if you're dead. Night of the Creeps. Um... Yeah, uh, actually, when I gave you this list of movies, this was the one movie that I was kind of weary that I thought maybe you might not connect with. Yeah. I saw it at a young age, and I think that that sometimes helps a lot, especially with these really heavily 80s movies. Understandable, yeah. Um, And because you're not as into the horror genre, maybe some of the familiar horror tropes would not speak to you the way they did to me, right? Fair enough, yeah. Um... That said, I mean, I have nothing but good things to say about this movie almost uniformly. I mean, it's definitely a movie of its time, but um, I can take it. What did you think of Night of the Creed? See, I'm perfectly okay with the time that it was made, and I have uh, no problem adjusting to that when I'm watching a movie. So, uh, thankfully, that didn't affect me very much at all. And uh, I was totally surprised by this movie. I didn't know what to expect going in, to be honest. I wasn't sure, like, uh, I, I had some build-up as to the craziness that I was about to experience, but no idea that it was going to be executed in the way it was. And I just thought it was so much funnier and uh, faster and uh, ridiculous than I could possibly have expected or anticipated that I do was just pure joy the whole time, as it turns out. So, I was, yeah, no, I was so pleasantly surprised. The thing is that the movie has everything. It does. And uh, and by everything, like, within the first 20, or not even 20 minutes, say 10 minutes, you've got aliens, mm-hmm. you've got a psycho killer with an axe. That's right. And you've got little sort of leechy space worms that are invading yeah. people's brains. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not done yet. Um, <laughs> but wait. And and the way it jumps around, like, uh, we've got sort of relatively well-realized space sci-fi special effects for the 80s. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we've got a black and white sequence set in, like, the 50s. Sure. Uh, which is, you know, to period. <laughs> <laughs> And then we jump ahead 30 years to what was at the time contemporary times for when the movie was made, but what is now another sort of hilarious, nostalgic era, of course. the 80s. Well, yeah, no, it's got, like, the tight jeans and the high hair, and the, it's got everything that yeah. an 80s movie needs. And well, I mean, it's it's based on a college campus. Yeah, absolutely. So you've got your sorority girls, you've got your nerds and your jocks, and it's... Awesome. Yeah. A lot of types, a lot of gratuitous boobery. (laughs) Well, which no 80s movie can be without. Like, if it was a college-age movie. Absolutely. It was requisite for the movie. Absolutely. uh, Then, you know, bring on the zombies and uh, and bring on, you know... Exactly. The action sequences. (laughs) (laughs) So, the story, I guess, centers on... Once once we get through the first couple of chapters setting up... (laughs) You know, the aliens that land to Earth and get inside this guy's head and he is then put into some sort of cryogenic type of stasis state. As as the 50s would interpret, yes. Um, and then our two heroes, a uh, couple of college kids who are desperately trying to get into a, a, a really horrible sorority. <laughs> yeah. Like a really ugly sorority. Like, actually. on its really? face, I don't know why they... I don't understand... I guess Jason Lively's character, our lead, is sort of wanting to impress a girl. Yes. And he thinks that hanging out with a bunch of these douchebags will somehow uh, endear him to her. Well, they are the cool kids. 
I mean, the the, the jock assholes, but those were the popular uh, characters. But as a as a pledge prank, they are asked to produce a body and put it on the uh, steps of uh, the house of <clears throat> some competing. I haven't heard that one among pledge pranks. But yeah, it's that's wow. pretty extreme. That's, that's out there. So uh, our, yeah, no props to anybody who did pull that off. <laughs> Again, this is such a ridiculous thing. The fact that they even do it, we shouldn't like these guys. Although, no. I think we kind of do. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, yeah. I mean, Our two leads, played by Jason Lively and Steve Marshall, they're Chris and JC. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they're Lovable to, rogues. Yeah. <laughs> they, by pure fate and happenstance, managed to stumble upon the same body that was infected by the alien slugs. Mm-hmm. And they don't quite manage to... Uh, get it out on the campus where they need it to be, but they uh, <laughs> they make a mess in a lab and they flee, <laughs> yes, essentially, is what yes, happens. Yes. <laughs> and this starts a chain of events that uh, is bad news for basically, you know, almost everybody at this college campus. <laughs> yes. Uh, you wanted to talk about Tom Aikens. Oh, yeah, I wanted to talk about Tom Atkins uh, and her detective Ray Cameron, uh, who we actually saw earlier in the uh, in the prologue. Uh, as a young beat cop in the right. 1950s. A flatfoot. Yes, uh, it was, uh, his lady love was killed by a psycho killer. Indeed. The very same night that the alien plague was dropped. Away. It was a busy night it for was, them. Uh, that's a rough, <laughs> rough shift. Wow. I don't. I don't envy his character. That's a lot to go through in one night, and then to uh, uh, to suddenly get the call, and uh, he is always called before he enters every scene. Of course, yes, because he has to respond uh, with his big line. That's like the selling line of the whole movie. <laughs> his thrill me, thrill me, yes, thrill me. We go back to this. Uh, he keeps asking people to thrill him because he seems like a fairly unhappy fellow. Well, this is not your standard Columbo type of <laughs> character here, where he's a little rough around the edges. <laughs> this guy's no. full on suicidal. Yeah, no, he's, he's just not happy with his loss. He's pretty bent under shape. Uh, and he's sort of got that been there, done that, I've seen everything kind of mentality. Yeah, and this turns out to be kind of hubristic because uh, I don't think the case that he now encounters is anything that he's seen before. Although it does have ties to his past. Bizarre. Bizarre the way things tie together. Um, yeah, the other <laughs> interesting thing is the relationship, I think, between Jason Lively and the Steve Marshall character. JC, yeah. his best buddy, is like uh, on crutches. Yes. And uh, either does not see himself as a uh, potential partner for anyone, or is living completely vicariously through his friend. Yes. Or possibly is in love <laughs> with his friend. friend yeah. uh, and it's one uh, of those two. We're not sure exactly what it's being played <laughs> for, but there it's sort of a bromance relationship before bromance were somewhat popularized lately. Well, I mean it's it's hard to it's hard to like have all those comic scenes without having a buddy there too. Yeah. I mean they are trying to do a lot of setup knockdown eighties comedy. Uh, dialogue yeah. in every scene, so it's, it's just I think sometimes easier to have a buddy there. I think it's a fine line to walk too, because they act they 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 take their sort of relationship scenes fairly seriously, mm. and the movie is kind of goofy. So oh, the yeah. fact that so much attention is paid <clears throat> to their relationship is kind of an interesting. I mean, I'm not going to say distracting; it's just an interesting angle that's explored in the movie. Mm. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, yeah, no, I, I guess I have to agree. I managed to uh, be so shocked by so what a, what was going on otherwise from their <laughs> relationship that I largely forget the the intimacy that they share in those scenes, yes. obviously. But, so. Well, going back to the horror aspect of the film, too, in the lab, um, the scientist that was working in the lab is attacked by the corpse. Yes. Uh, and the actor who played that, I believe, is David Paymer. Correct. Um, who would go on to great things mm-hmm. and actually go on to not directly shit-talk this movie, but shit-talk this movie, because he would complain later in his career that when things started out, he was always that guy who got killed in the first reel of the horror movie, which is what he is here, but he's completely adequate in it. And I'd just like to say, Mr. Paymer, if I was in this movie... I would be very proud of it. <laughs> Absolutely. I, well, I'm assuming it's it has to have some sort of cult following, I would think, because uh, this is this is too much fun and it was I mean I mean despite the fact that Fred Decker went on to do RoboCop 3 and mm-hmm. Monster Squad, this is clearly he loved the genre as a kid growing up and he clearly watched them during the 50s and 60s and when his time came he took his shot. Yeah. And I, I like that about the movie, too. I think it's just a lot of fun for that reason. He just embraces it in all its B-glory. Yeah, I don't know how much traction it got right away. I think this is some sort of a cult movie that was found and caught up with. But the, there was so many great, crazy, comedy, violent horror movies coming out in the 80s it was it's it was it was a, an embarrassment of riches mm. that a movie this good actually could almost slip by unnoticed well, um but yeah, I, I think it's I, a lot of fun it, it, uh <laughs> we, we keep on getting sidetracked but uh sorry yeah. no the the basic script of the once infected by this thing that these brain bugs grow inside your head until yeah. your head explodes with more. With brain bugs, right, and yeah. then those brain bugs still got more heads to invade. Absolutely. And once you have a bug in your brain, you act very zombie-like, which yes. Larry approves of. Yes, <laughs> two thumbs up for zombies. Um, but we also find out that they're able to get into the bodies that are buried. For instance, the body of the serial killer, who, spoilers, yes. Tom Aitken's uh, killed as revenge for the death of his love back in the day, and buried under one of the houses. Yes. One of my... Uh, Favorite scenes that I remember seeing, uh, like so many movies, I saw this too young. Mm. I remember being quite terrified by the sequence where the the skeleton uh, axes its way out of the floorboards Ah, of the house matron's (laughs) living room. That was pretty scary when you were like 11 or 12 or whatever old I was when I saw this movie. Understandably, yeah. No, I can see how that would frighten a young fella. So we're getting all of these different things thrown at us. Um, yeah, leeches, zombies, uh, awkward sort of romantic comedy angle between Jason Lively and, yes. and uh, this uh, woman he's romancing, played by uh, Jill Whitlow. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. She went on to do other, other things. Other things, I'm sure. Yeah. I don't know her in anything beyond this. Um, and this was sort of the, one of the last things I remember seeing Jason Lively in. He was he played Rusty yeah. in one of the vacation movies. I believe the European, I want to say, maybe. That sounds right. <laughs> it's been so long, but yeah, no, that sounds right. There's so much going on in this movie, and there's so much good going on. And... Uh, 
this keeping a lot of balls in the air. It's funny, but it is also still sort of scary. There's some good action set pieces to it. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. It's really, I mean, I don't have a lot negative to say about it. There is some in-your-face aidiness to it, like, uh, especially I find with the uh, the guys from the sorority house. Yes. <laughs> yes. They just, like, they're so 80s, it, it, it hurts. It's, like, it's oh, hilarious. Yeah. But <laughs> these characters are, like, ubiquitous with 80s movies. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's perfectly fine. I accept that. And they're playing the college douchebag types adequately enough. Wow. Yeah, no, I'm sure it was a real stretch for all of them. It was... Yeah. No, but... So much so that when one of them gets turned, uh, her, her, you know, his ex-girlfriend doesn't even notice... Exactly. ...that he's a zombie. He's a zombie because he (laughs) remains just silent and douchey towards her. It's great, actually. If you're halfway into horror movies or you you're into comedies, I think this is worth a look. It is quite violent and it it yes it, it is a genre bending fun horror comedy. Uh, so if that's your bag, I say by all means, yeah, dip right into Night of the Creep. Oh, I think I think I can endorse this movie for anybody <laughs> who just enjoys something like silly and lighthearted as well. I mean, it's despite the fact that yes, there are some scary moments and I think probably the scariest being right out of the gate again mm-hmm. uh, anytime somebody is axed murdered it's, it's that's that's upsetting and great practical 80s special effects too mm-hmm. I remember there's a scene with a little zombie cat that I thought was kind of great, well done <laughs> and uh, another great uh, zombie versus uh, lawnmower sequence well, lest we think Dead Alive was the first and only zombie movie that employed there a lawnmower know. against nope. a room full of zombies. No, no, no. no Night no, of no. the Creeps got there first, people. It's true. Is there it's anything true. else you want to say about Night of the Creeps? Um, I don't think so. It was it was a lot of fun. Excellent. Thank you. Agreed. Jerry. This infection will spread all over the world. You want the story? I'll spin it for you quick. We got a face full of DC too. But the laws of science are broken. Right now, the soldier's attorney. Don't taunt me, Tramp. Once that happens, they'll tear us apart whether they want to or not. The side effect is terror. I swore to my men that I'd do everything in my power. All right, um, so... We took a look at the extended and unrated edition of Planet Terror, which, as we discussed, was uh, the first half of the Grindhouse experiment. Was uh, it the first? Were they released at the same time, or was it before and then... It's a double feature. When you saw it in the theater, you saw... But they were 80-minute versions. This yeah, is like a, this that's is, right. This is like 104 minutes. This, right. There's a lot more to it than you yeah. saw there. Same thing with Death Proof. It was like an 80-minute version of Death Proof. Yeah. Um, but I think, first of all, you're right. they should have switched them around. Death Proof should have been first. This should yeah. have been second. Uh, because the pace of Death Proof for the first half is very, mm-hmm. very slow. And after already being almost in theater for almost two hours, you really feel your butt getting numb yes. for the first half of Death yeah. Proof. But um, Planet Terror is like a straight-up, you know, <laughs> trashy, uh, 70s, grainy deliberate looking zombie movie yeah um it, it is the the template for this is what hobo for the shotgun basically borrows um the tarantino and rodriguez wanted to make like an old school drive-in double feature yeah uh, and they each contributed a film and they're sort of like throwback nostalgic uh sleaze features 
And I think that Planet Terror is much the better of the two. And as I said before, I kind of am in the minority about this. There's the whole cult of Tarantino. I like Tarantino. I think Death Proof is one of his weakest films. I think... Uh, I'll put this on the table right now, and I mean it doesn't necessarily apply to this movie because it's Robert Rodriguez, but in terms of Tarantino, I think he's a very talented filmmaker that people don't say no to enough. I see yeah. a very George Lucas future for him <laughs> yeah. one day. Well, anyway, we should focus on Planet yes, Terror. Yes, yes. Death Proof will be a conversation for another day. Yeah. Um, the... Yes, the main characters are uh, Robert... Or not Robert Rodriguez. Freddie Rodriguez and yeah. uh, Rose... McGowan. McGowan. Um, she's a go-go dancer who can't get through a set without crying. <laughs> and he's like a five-foot-nothing badass. Yeah. <laughs> when when people nowhere connected to, you know, that particular scene hear his name, El Rey, they, they react with awe. This is the El Rey. <laughs> yes. And he, he proves it through the movie. He's a badass killer. He's an amazing driver. He drives an acrobat. A, an acrobat. <laughs> he drives a mini bike, like one of those little pocket motorcycles down the highway, and he makes it look kind of badass. Yes. Uh, though it is true that these two are our main protagonists, I think what uh, you know keeps the movie going and interesting is sort of this cavalcade of faces that we see throughout yep. the movie. Yep. You got your Michael Bean, you got uh, your Bruce Willis, you got oh, your Josh Brolin, um, Jeff Fahey, you know. Uh, who else? Lots of people. Oh, <laughs> God, it just keeps going. <laughs> uh, so every few minutes, you're like, hey, that guy. And of course... Quentin Tarantino playing a scumbag like he loves to do. More literally a scumbag than, than, <laughs> than even, usual. Yeah, than usual. Uh, bare bones plot, uh, some sort of weapons deal, shady weapons deal is going down. It doesn't go well. Yeah. Um, some chemicals get leaked and the uh, m- people in the immediate area, they're Flesh gets all melty and soft, and they turn into these toxic zombies. Yes. And go on a rampage. Yes. And the surrounding neighborhood and small town sort yeah. of gets besieged by it. And uh, it's very, you know, tongue-in-cheek. It, very, it knows what it is. There's a lot of tropes. The, the you know, the, the, the weathered sheriff who's seen it all. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and his, you know, his difficult relationship with his brother that, you know, we know where that story's yeah. going and culminated to. The hooker with a heart of gold, really, hooker, is essentially. Um, I mean, we haven't seen the hooker with a heart of gold get her leg eaten and then have no. it replaced with a shotgun that she can apparently Machine psychically gun. fire. Oh, with. yes. No, no pulling of the trigger. She just... <laughs> It just, just lifts and thinks, yeah, shoot. Just jammed on there with a chair leg, or, you know, attachment sort of thing, just railed on there. Uh, it's actually one of the things that, that breaks the illusion of the, the sort of grainy 70s feel is how good the special effects are. Yeah. Uh, in a way, the special effects are too well handled. <laughs> yeah. That was uh, kind of an issue for me, too. Like, I, I would draw the closest parallel, of course, between this and Hobo with a Shotgun. Like you yeah. said, they're both trying to be that 70s... Uh, Grindhouse movie. movie. And I think Hobo with a Shotgun did a better job. Yeah. I think, I think Rodriguez maybe was a little closer to the Hollywood system and the fact that I got a feeling too, like he's, he's very into that special effects side of it and having his, his, his ranch is yeah. his shooting studio and he's got this amazing, 
uh, effects team out there and everything that he works with on the on all this stuff. Like he just does a 3D Spy Kids movie out of his house, basically. Oh, his little troublemaker studios. Yeah, and his willingness to incorporate uh, anything uh, into his movie. Yeah, his his doctor said something funny, so his doctor ended up being in the movie. Yes. Uh, yeah. The, the his baby... real estate agent becomes the guy who runs the go-go club. Yeah. Like just yeah. Uh, the uh, girls who babysit his kids. Yeah. Become you know these crazy. Babysitters. Were they actually his babysitters? Yeah. Oh, I a, didn't realize that. It's a special feature on there you can watch. Where he talks oh, that's about fantastic. I've had this conversation, I can't remember who we were talking about, maybe it was Jared, I can't remember, but uh, I've always thought that uh, Rodriguez uh, is uh, the kind of director who will work on the fly, where they'll get there, they have the storyboards, they have the script, yeah. and they're like, okay, we're ready to go, and then Rodriguez will say, wouldn't it be cool <laughs> if blank happens? Yeah. And sometimes that's really good and they can put it together and it works and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. But I like his everything in the kitchen sink approach. And it's a soft pitch for me in this movie because I love the zombie format. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really great special effects too in this. There's the, the, the slime, the sort of melty toxic yes. element to the zombies is really well realized. The, the one scene that I think of when you say that is, is where Bruce Willis, the, the soldiers, there's a cadre of soldiers <laughs> in this that are, are in pursuit of this, uh, this agent, this chemical agent that's been turning people into zombies because they were exposed to it, uh, during, uh, I, I don't know which... Well, they, they killed Osama Bin Laden. Yes, yes. And then were exposed to this, this chemical agent, which is slowly turning them into zombies. But they discovered if you continuously breathe it, you don't turn. So they're all wearing gas masks, and they're always hunting for more of this chemical. And that's their kind of through line through the movie, is they're trying to capture what's left of this gas, the yeah. tanks that are left. And there's a scene where uh, where Bruce Willis is is speaking to the main characters and espousing you know his story of what happened to them and everything. And he pulls his mask off and just slowly, as the scene goes on, because he's not breathing gas, his face just starts to melt bubbling. a little bit. Yeah. It's literally bubbling. There's these boils that that pulsate on his face and stuff. It's it's well done. Yeah. It was a cool it was a cool set of uh, special effects. Um. Uh, there's also a couple of moments in the movies like, wow, they went there. There's a whole sequence where uh, uh, the Josh Brolin's wife gets her hands anesthetized, yes. and she runs home to save her, her beloved son. Yeah. And she's in the car with him. First we get the comic sort of funny sequence of her trying to drive a car without the use yeah. of her hands. And this is all sort of funny and ha 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 ha. And then she gets to the house and gets her kid in the car and she has to leave for a second. Yeah. So she leaves him with the gun and she gives him this big speech, you know, be careful with this and if you see your daddy, you shoot your daddy. Yeah. And then she leaves the car and the gun goes off and her kid has just killed himself. We assume it's never shown and apparently there is footage. Yes. Of him that was at the end of the son. movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's what my read was. Yeah, he, he didn't want... His he, son he could yeah, and he, he couldn't use it. He didn't cast another kid because yeah. he couldn't bear to think of some other parent seeing a scene where their kid was killed. So he's yeah. you my own son. And they shot a completely different set of scenes where the kid was okay, yeah. and that's the cut they have in their house. <laughs> like, if they ever decide to watch it, they watch the one where the kid turns out okay because he can't watch it any other way. Well, I mean, it's interesting. And again, another example of him incorporating someone from his own life into the movie relatively yeah. successfully. But that scene 
sticks out as like really weird. There's a goofiness and a craziness uh, to that movie where you yeah. can sort of smile and laugh things off. And I don't know that we were asked to smile and laugh that moment off. That just was like really no. genuinely yuck. Yeah. And what was it doing in this movie? Yeah. It seemed like it belonged somewhere else. And, uh, and almost, well, it, it was really sort of brushed off. Like for a woman that has lost her son and is being hunted by her zombie husband. She she doesn't suffer much for it compared to the other, like, more for it than the other characters. Like, characters who are just fighting for their survival seem just as invested. Yeah. And it felt a little off. <laughs> and almost like, you know, well, we can't shoot any more scenes with him. He's He's got to go to school tomorrow, so yeah. now he's dead. And let's yeah. keep going. Like I say... The main characters are significantly less interested than a lot of the peripheral characters. Absolutely. It was the, you know, like Jeff Hay and Michael Bean that yeah. were sort of making me smile or, or catching, oh, there's Tom Savini getting cut into several pieces. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, you know, not to say anything against, you know, uh, Freddie Rodriguez or, you know, Rose McGowan. They, they were fine, but in a lot of ways, they just. They were playing the types. Hooker with a Heart of Gold and the Badass. They were optimally cast, because they were exactly the caliber of actor that would have gotten this job in the <laughs> 70s. Um, and, yeah, they, they gave great performances for their skill level and, and abilities and such like that. They were, they were enjoyable to watch at all times, I think. The movie's fun. The movie is fun. And I think that's all it really wants to be, which is sort of why the the kid killing himself scene yeah. is the one big bizarre question mark <laughs> for it. And you know, it, it probably is was better served at eighty minutes, but I didn't hate it at a hundred and four minutes. I you know? yeah, I enjoyed it. I'd seen it originally in theaters. I remember being unimpressed. I I thought it was okay. You right. know, I had fun. I didn't ask for my money back. Right. And then I watched it again here, and excuse me, I was more impressed with. The movie, I liked uh, a lot of the character choices. I'd forgotten uh, kind of the, the shift at the start where... Uh, I'm going to look up the actress's name because I want to say it right. Uh, where are we here? Dakota... Uh, sorry, Mary Shelton. She plays uh, Josh Brolin's Dr. Wife. Right. Um, where off the top of the movie, it really seems like Josh Brolin is the good guy. Yeah. He's his father who loves his son. His wife is cheating on him it seems and she's gonna steal the sun away and she's she dresses like a slut in a in a lab coat and she just seems awful enjoys giving injections and she has a special injection kit she's obviously a bad guy and they do this just 180 scene where it turns out that that's completely backwards she might be kind of a jerk but josh brolin is way worse <laughs> yes yes she is right to want to get away from her. Yeah, husband. yeah, and and I I watched that again and went, that's actually that's much smarter than I gave this movie credit for. It was a fun <laughs> little twist that they didn't need to do, and they did. And I, I I enjoyed it actually. Yeah, I mean it's completely stupid. The entire movie is yes. wall to wall stupidity. Yeah, but it makes no bones about it. Yeah, and uh, it's 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 fun and it's violent and uh, yeah. like I say, the constantly saying, "Oh look who's here now." Yeah, here's another you know face yeah. showing up. You know, uh, you're not wasting your time by yeah. watching Planet Terror. No, uh, if uh, the only complaint I'll have on it now. And I uh, uh, is that I think Rodriguez is is a director that needs to he needs to be taken out of the process about 
a step and a half more than he is right now. Because I think he just he just polishes a little too hard towards the end. Everything is just a like when he when he tries for it I I yeah, when he tried for kind of seventies look, he couldn't resist going a little too good with the special effects. And he always wants to give the audience everything. He wants to get them laughing and, and like screaming. Yeah. Uh, almost all of the Rodriguez movies of late are sort of like the goofier John Carpenter movies. Yes. You know, like Big Trouble in Little China, mm-hmm. Where They Live, where yeah. like the movie has its beginning, middle, and end. There's a story that we're supposed to take semi-seriously, but basically it's a goof. Yeah. Um, and much like Carpenter, I would say the same thing too. I almost prefer it when, you know, he's doing a job for hire and he just tries yes. to tell a straight story. Because that's when it tends to get scary. Jared and I talked about The Faculty, uh, which he did. Uh, Ralph Rodriguez directed it. Uh, it was basically a free hire job. It yeah. was before he had his own studio. I, I realized that. He'd done El Mariachi, the yeah. uh, the American version, Desperado, and mm-hmm. From Dust Till Dawn, mm-hmm. and they hired him to do The Faculty. Okay. And it doesn't have the flourishes and the craziness yeah. that you typically see from Rodriguez, mm-hmm. but it's a very efficiently well-executed yeah. movie. And I kind of nostalgic for that in mm-hmm. a way I wish he would like find a good script and just do the script you know yeah. it's it's a good time it is it's a great time yeah more so than the first time I saw it it's a uh, it's a it's a fun movie you know the weaker ones among us would have you believe that violence never pays I say therein lies salvation challenging these kids limitations we show them there's nothing they can't do without faith and, and god's help dragging us up to the mountains and trying to save our souls wow wow what did you think of trailer park oh uh, it was it was you know you watch this and you go when 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 will the disaffected youth of america n- realize that going off the beaten track in rural america never leads to a good result it's, uh, I, I swear I had a seizure while I was watching this film. <laughs> it, it was, th- this, this was completely, I, I know of these kinds of films, but I don't seek them out. Right. I have never watched something like this. And it really was just something that I didn't need to know. <laughs> not that, your cup OT. <laughs> well, it's just, like, I'm not... Uh, a, um, I'm not a gore hound. Right. And this one isn't like a gore hound movie. It's like there's some yes. stuff like that. There's uh, certainly one sequence which I would qualify almost as torture porn. Yes. Yeah. And and that I've never gotten into at all. So as soon as I'm that, right there with you, man. <laughs> and I knew like it was all laid out there. You knew it was coming. Yeah. Uh, but as soon as it started, I went, Yeah, where's my fast forward button? It's <laughs> like I don't need to see this. But the strange thing about this film was I actually don't rank this as the worst movie of this group. Neither do I. (laughs) It was because I thought that there was a slightly more interesting film, or the potential for one, after watching the opening scene, the setup, where you see Norma, who's the sort of the queen bee, hot girl, uncorrupted. I believe she's played by Nicole Holtz. Yeah. 
and she's, uh, they show her and she's still got her looks and she hasn't been despoiled by all the scummy other neighbors who live in this trailer park. And she's going off to, you know, meet up with her fresh-faced young boy. Yuppie boyfriend, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she basically still thinks at this point that she's got a way out of this life. Yeah, I think her boyfriend in her mind is her ticket out of here. Yeah. Everybody else is, they're corrupt. Not nice, terrible people. Prostitutes, murderers. Like, in the first five minutes, they're all set up as... Openly aggressive, stupid, hayseed scumbags. Yeah. yeah. And so they proceed, and they, they know that she thinks she's going to get out. She's going to you know, get free of this life. And she's pretty enough that she probably could. She could. And so they, the two uh, main reapers, uh, show, like, well, before they're uh, killed and turned into reapers, um, are giving this boyfriend a hard time. And so when he stands up for himself a little bit, you know, they, can, they respect that. Right. And then they push him and impale him on two fence posts. Yeah. That was a very sloppily handed sequence, too. I thought when they killed the yuppie boyfriend, it was right at the beginning of the movie, and I was like, wow, these guys are cartoonishly evil, and that was not a very convincing. But the other thing was, is that they kind of looked a little chagrined, like they didn't expect, they didn't really intend to kill him. They were going to bully him and and try and scare him away, but it got way out of hand way quickly. And then. They didn't actually do anything with the body. They kind of just walked away and I oh, went... Shit happens when you party naked. And, Who dogs? Yeah, yeah, and you just go, <laughs> so you're just going to leave the impaled corpse, you know, lying there? Yeah. So, and then, so then they set up that Norma has this little, you know, it's her signature monologue scene here where she establishes her character where... All she wanted was, you know, something good for herself. And how could they did not understand this? And so they wander off and she wanders off. And, and then she runs into the man, quote unquote. <laughs> and uh, who's apparently pissing acid, yes. fire, something's... He's taking a leap, but he's sort of got this flamethrower action going. <laughs> and, uh, and he offers her, you know, her... He understands her. Yeah. And he offers her her means for revenge. And uh, so she goes back and slaughters everybody and ends up, you know, after killing everybody she knows, there's no real life for her anymore, so she dies in the trailer park fire. And I sat there and I, I looked at that and I went, she made a bad choice and she's not totally irredeemable in this, this situation, given that she did have motivation for what she did. It was vengeance, but she killed everybody in the trailer park. Two guys killed her boyfriend, and she killed everybody. <laughs> so, But I thought that there was the potential for something a little more interesting, mm-hmm. in that she could have been a little conflicted you know, later on, but she's not. When she, you know, when you meet her later on, she's just basically now... She's embraced the, it. Embraced it, and is going to slaughter everybody. Um, and I just went, man. I was just I was hoping that they would they would go in the not easy direction. The interesting thing about the opening too, like I said, I found the first half of it with, before she went and found the devil because well, obviously that's who it was. She made a deal with the devil uh, when they bully her boyfriend to death. I didn't think that was particularly well handled. But the sequence when she comes back to the trailer park and they got the camera mounted on her as she walks around and shoots the shotgun and actually gets spray back on her face from killing people, I thought was really well done. Yeah. And that's weird because the movie is full of sequences like this. There'll be a scene that is really well done followed by a scene that feels kind of slapped together. 
followed by another scene that was really well executed, followed by another scene that seems kind of slapped together. There's the inconsistency to it. It was like some days they had more time than others to do to execute it. And clearly, this was a relatively low budget film. I mean, yeah, compared compared to what we've seen previously, um, but yeah. In a way, that opening sequence is the most interesting part of the movie because the se- once the movie really kicks in, years have passed. This group of disaffected teenagers come upon the trailer park and get killed by the zombies in the trailer park. Essentially, is what happens. Yeah. Was there a deliberate attempt at humor in this movie? Do you think? Yes, there were moments uh, when the the nerd boy again. It's like we just talk about stereotypes. Archetypes, yeah. Like, <laughs> is that he avoids like he's hiding under the trailers? He's trying to you know stay alive amongst all this chaos. He ends up trapped in the cage and is killed by the goth girl as she's trying, trying to, to escape. Yeah. And I thought I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, it, it was just, and less predictable than a lot of the other fates. Yeah, exactly. They spent so much time with him hiding underneath one of the trailers, and you waited till he was going to either come and save the day, or, or he, you kept on waiting for what he was going to do. And, and what he did was get locked in a cage and then get squished. <laughs> yeah, so just sort of in passing. Yeah, and yeah you, you were expecting him to get dragged out from under the trailer or, yes. or something. Um, you know, but there was sort of, there was the involuntary humorous moment where you're going when the, the Reaper massage oriental prostitute, you know, appears and the boy looks at her and it's like, Oh yeah. I'm alone in the middle of the night with this strange woman who wants to massage me. Sure. No problem. No problem. Nothing could possibly go wrong. Oh, that weird voice and the faceplate that she's wearing? No alarms are going off here. Well, no. no, This is not that kind of movie. No, (laughs) nobody seems to realize that uh, this is uh, potentially a a problem. (laughs) Uh, A large one, yes. And the fact that you're going, okay, so Norma starts her little seduction of the pastor... And, yeah, again, you're shaking your head going, don't do it. Don't do it, man. This cannot end well. <laughs> it's like you're, you're, you know, you're betraying your faith. You're, you know, it's, and, no, can't help it. Yeah. you got to pick up the little southern tart. You're a sinner, and, and therefore you must pay for that with your life. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, at that same moment, you know, when her face mask sort of slips, slips yeah. I'm going, you know, some of the effects there, you know, when she's putting it back in place and then it kind of morphs back into her normal face. I pretty thought good. That, that was pretty good. I thought that was good. Um, so, you know, there was, again, there was good moments. And then there was just, oh, <laughs> and it's not surprising you, uh, any, you know, anywhere. It's following along, you know, the, the very well-trodden path of this kind of, uh, of movie. It's like you see it in all the slasher movies. Mm-hmm. Is that if your morality is dubious, you're you will pay for it. I heard somewhere said that like the Friday the Thirteenth franchise, as much as it was hated by you know politicians in the eighties era, was one of the more Reagan type of movies that you could get behind because promiscuity and drug use was punished. It was always the virtual girl who would virtuous girl who would step up and, and fight back and win the battle yeah. that episode, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that's basically what happens here. Exactly. The, the one girl who Norma can sympathize with. Um, again, though, I don't know if they really set up her character as having that same motivation. You never, you never learned that. But she all of a sudden 
spews out this monologue at the end. The survivor girl, and that's what we call her in the the horror genre, the survivor girl, because typically it's a girl. <laughs> it's not a, I'm not meaning to be condescending. Uh, she doesn't do anything overtly heroic to save herself. Uh, she basically, when she's caught and cornered, and she knows she's the last alive and about to die, she screams and cries and says, "Go ahead and kill me. I, like, well, I've got nothing to live for anymore." And that's exactly the way Norma felt at, at the beginning of the movie. And that could have worked if not for the fact that almost everybody else who died did the exact same thing. There's an entire sequence where this poor bastard is being. Uh, having hunks of meat cut out of him. And, Human and, jerky. Yeah, they're making beef jerky out of him. And, and uh, all he can do, he's completely helpless, is scream and spit at this guy and say, you know, fuck you. And and, and uh, that character had been established as a complete irredeemable asshole for the whole movie. But I felt for him during that sequence because he had the most horrible death of the movie. And he did nothing that the goth girl didn't do. To, to, to escape his fate, but unfortunately he gets to get deep fried and turned into zombie food, and they basically let her go. Well, with the idea, you know, say Norma sent you, right? Well, and the, the thing is that, you know, there were a few indications, you know, the, uh, you know, when the goth girl goes and tries to stop the, the girl with the drug problem. Right. So, you know, it's, you, you saw the indicators that, yes, she's troubled, but at the same time, you know, she is making an effort to, she can understand the the problems you know that everybody else is is having the problems in their character and is trying to help redeem them a little bit. So, but again, you know, you're kind of stretching for this kind of looking for these kinds of things. Uh, but I can appreciate that they tried to make you know to give her to make her like you know, to point out the the elements of her character that made her the one worthy of surviving the experience. Right. Uh, at the same time, it's like... Didn't quite get there. Really, they they also could have looked at her begging for her life on the ground and just said, choppy, choppy! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and they seem to really be enjoying it. And that's one thing about the Norma character, too. She starts off as a victim and, and, and ends as a villain completely. I don't feel bad for Norma anymore at all. I felt for her at the beginning of the movie, and I sure as hell didn't by the end. Uh, going back to my whole thing about sequences that are bizarrely good, followed by sequences that are not, you're talking about the character who was addicted to drugs. Yeah. There's a scene where she finds one of the zombies stashes and just gets completely blitzed out of her mind. Yeah. And the guy shows up and starts cutting her arm off. And she's sort of so out of it that she's watching it happen and laughing. Yeah. And I found that kind of disturbing. <laughs> like That was a pretty grotesque sequence in a, an otherwise fairly silly movie, but it worked. And then a few minutes later, again, there's a zombie standing on top of a, of a trailer rocking a guitar. And I was like, what is going on, you guys? Well, and, and that must have been really good weed. Yeah, well. Because I'm pretty sure... I think it was something heavier than weed, but yeah, still. It's like, uh, because she was kind of, she wasn't sure if it was a hallucination or not. I, that's what I was getting from it. And it's like, yeah, what was in that? product because I'm pretty sure the best weed buzz in the world would still fail before an amputation. Yeah. It's like I'm... <sighs> this is not a movie that I would recommend to anybody uh, or everybody or even a lot of people, but uh, it's not horrible. And if this is your cup of tea, if this is in your wheelhouse, I think that there's fun to be had. But 
Uh, for a casual viewer, maybe not. <laughs> no, there's there's moments like when they when the goth girl turns the the grenade trap on on the uh, the reaper, and, yeah. and then he's sitting there saying, "Sew my arm back on, sew my arm back on." <laughs> so you're just going. <laughs> Someone's going to put me back together and I'm going to give you the ass whooping of your life, girl. There is something crazy about the whole white trash zombie thing that is kind of appealing. And like they say, the movie is full of what-the-fuck moments. Like, you, as much as it is archetypical of, like, the, the structure of every other horror movie... It goes places that you do not anticipate, and yeah. that's a win. It's you can respect that. <laughs> what I would say before we get into this review of Dead Snow is that. Uh, when I'm looking at a movie, uh, especially for the podcast, say what I liked, what I didn't like, or, or does it work, is what is the movie, what are they trying to do, and how close to success do they come with doing it? This movie is absolutely ridiculous, and it knows that it's ridiculous. So the question is, is it fun enough that you can give it a pass and go with the craziness, or is it just too stupid to embrace? Most of the jury here is split, so I'm fascinated to hear what you have to say about Dead Snow. Well, it's not that winter on its own, as we've alluded to, or said outright a number of times, isn't horrifying enough, but then you've got to throw in, got to throw in uh, being stranded and throw in uh, uh, zombies, but even that's not enough. They have to be Nazi zombies who yes. are cold resilient, yeah. and they're fast. So uh, it's it's kind of uh, the stakes are ratcheted up a little bit, <laughs> and in the fact that of course going into these stories generally a person doesn't believe it even when they're seeing it at first. Yeah, that changes significantly by the end. the The premise was 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 kind of fun, and it was it seemed it seemed a little um, how to put it like it suffered a bit of a multiple personality disorder that it started out with sort of the realism. Of course, it's horror genre, so it's not necessarily going to be realism the way Frozen was, yeah. and then it became uh, a, a very almost campy kind of uh, uh, resolution, <laughs> if you will. It shifts gears repeatedly, <clears throat> suddenly, and yes. abruptly. Yes. Um, and, and that's okay for me. Like, I don't mind your movie sort of knocking me off guard a little bit here and there. Uh, I just want to know your heart's in the right place. For me, I think that the heart is in the right place. I kind of love this movie. <laughs> but uh, I am aware that this is a bunch of very familiar elements just put in a blender. Uh, what I like about it is that it's old and new. You sort of have the old pastiche of Nazi zombies trying to get back their Nazi gold from beyond the grave. I don't think that's going to, you know, surprise anybody. And also sort of the sort of modern, you know, scream generation cast of very savvy, referential, you know, kids. It's not quite as wink-wink as Scream as far as they're practically talking to the audience as it goes on there, but there's a little bit of that in the brew as well. I think what will make people like or hate the movie is if you're willing to adjust to the tone. 
can you laugh at these people one scene and say that's a hilarious you know uh, little anecdote and can you sort of enjoy how hammy the spooky guy who comes there to warn them is uh because that's a that guy shows up in so many horror movies you kids don't know what you got yourself into <laughs> exactly. and you get the feeling that they milked that for everything that they could because they know that this guy is in every horror movie he shows up he gives them the information the, creepy, the, warning. the creepy local yeah he shows up gives them the warning and then usually he dies right that's just how it is so which exactly he's he's the one in the know yeah what's he doing out in a freaking tent he's there to give them the information and die yes that's what his purpose is now objectively that's stupid and obvious but this movie is about stupid and obvious this is what i'm saying it's a carnival ride it's much less seriously toned than frozen this is this is like guffaw halloween night drink a beer Wow, that just happened to me. <laughs> yeah. And that's how you have to approach it. If you're going to watch this movie with a critical eye, if you want to find a way to poke holes in this movie, you'll find them, you know? Oh, and I, I, and I do. I'm one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, think, I think that the movie's heart is in the right place. As much yeah. as it's, like, sick and gruesome and violent and, you know, nihilistic in some ways... Um, it's also pretty fun, and uh, yeah. that's enough for me to give it a recommend. Now, I will say in the uh, in the the cold open, right. the, the uh, nice use of Grieg, the the um, she's okay. going through the forest, and it's this, the song playing over top of it, right? And uh, and then that jump scare, it got me, <laughs> it got me, and so that was the the opening on that one. I really liked that part of it. That was really well crafted. But then. We cut to the scene right after that. A uh, bunch of pretty kids. The odd number of young people going yeah. off to have a fun weekend <laughs> and and talking stupid. And again, I, I recognize that it's not necessarily easy to do that. And sometimes it's just, well, we got to do this so we can get to the good stuff. Fair enough. But it almost seems like then maybe you don't need to do it because if you're if you're establishing a cliche versus a character, you, you almost shouldn't bother. Almost, but I, I, again, I don't have, I don't have a, a credible alternative to that. So I, I really can't. I'm not too critical of it. Again, I, for me, it's just like, what are you trying to accomplish? And even within that box of what they're trying to accomplish, they did do a few little inversions that I thought worked. And like you said, the scares actually work. And in this ridiculous Nazi zombie movie, there's a few deaths that are felt. Yes. You know, where you're like, oh, that sucks, dude. <laughs> Uh, so on one hand you've got that, and on the other hand you've got things that are just so obvious, like you say, the clumsy exposition at the beginning, or how they painfully go out of the way to establish that one of the characters gets a little wiggy at the sight of blood. So yes. of course you know there's going to be a scene where he's going to have to overcome this. Maybe you won't predict that he's going to sever his own arm, but right, you know. Right. <laughs> um, but you, you know, there's nothing subtle about the setup, and there's nothing subtle about the payoff. Technically, nothing surprised me in it, but I still was smiling while I yeah, was yeah, watching. Yeah. <laughs> Technically, uh, and this might seem like really uh, petty, but I thought the subtitles went by too fast. <laughs> I had a hard time, and of course, generally, what happens is they choose white text yeah. in a winter theme thing, and and <laughs> this is a pet peeve of mine. And I thank you for bringing it up. Really? Uh, yeah, the, that they do either when the subtitles are too fast. That's a bit frustrating. If you're used to watching subtitled films, apparently you'll read them faster, but. Uh, I'm a slow reader at the best of times. I am too, apparently. But I will put up with it because I fucking hate watching movies that are dubbed. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
It's in widescreen. You put the subtitles on the black bar at the bottom of the screen. Nice. They're crystal clear. You can read them, <laughs> and it just makes sense. Uh, they, otherwise, it's like you say, they just use the white text, and sometimes they get washed out in the environment, especially in movies like this one. Exactly. Or they use the yellow block text with the sort of heavy borders to help clarify them, but they kind of pop out more, and it's almost like the movie becomes about the subtitles. So when a subtitle pops up, yeah. even even watching and maybe you've done this, but even watching a regular English show, if there are subtitles, your eyes drawn to the text. Yeah, but uh, I recently did an episode with uh, called "Subtitled Scares," and and I was just all about that. If you have the option between watching it dubbed and watching it uh, subtitled, always go for the subtitle, even if the I'm with you even if one. they go by too fast, and even if the English is less than elegant. I, I ended up having to back up or pause it sometimes <laughs> just to to catch the the dialogue as a result of it with the the two subtitled movies that we're dealing with in this group i also think they're familiar enough territory that you can catch up you you're not going to be too lost there's not a lot that's going to be lost in the translation one of them's like pretty anal that way though yeah i don't want to miss but anyway that rant rant over uh but that's how you should do subtitles people black (laughs) bar at the bottom of the screen it's there use it it's been done since the mid 90s just do it Anyway, what were we talking about? Yeah, dead snow. Oh, then the, the, the quick the quick cuts of putting the snow gear on kind of yeah. reminded me of Hot Fuzz. Yeah, Those, or Evil Dead. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Those quick cuts. Or the guy, what have I got here? The same when the guy was building the torch to go through the snow cave. Mm-hmm. Like an idiot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why are you going in the snow cave? Because we need another creepy yeah. guy walking towards <laughs> something spooky and then something goes boo scene. Um, I, I did... did uh, was not expecting the rather sudden, creepy sex scene that we are treated to early in the movie, where the nerd gets a visitation while in the outhouse from the hottie. Are you remembering this? Um, yes. Because he's been played off as sort of like clearly the, the, the nerdy guy of the group who's just there to, uh, He's you know. kind of crude and... Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, That's a, that was he, a weird pair bonding. He seems like he was the odd guy out, and he was just going to be, you know, all sad and alone, you know, smoking his joint alone while everybody was screwing in the other room. But all of a sudden, she follows him to an outhouse in the middle of the winter. I mean, if there's a less romantic place to have sex, I don't know, but bless her heart for thinking of it. <laughs> <laughs> they say romance is dead, Robbie, but after watching those two people screwing in an outhouse in the dead of winter, I think that maybe they're wrong. <laughs> they uh, they need to they need to see this movie. <laughs> True, it is inspiring. Um, Speaking though of the the sex, like when the when the ranger guy gets it in the tent, it, it actually the silhouette almost looked like there might be a sexual activity going on. <laughs> I'm I'm sure he's getting murdered by uh, uh, cold resistant uh, snombies. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but uh, the the silhouette's like well I could go either way. Like if you put a different uh, audio track you dub something underneath it yeah it's, it kind of you know, could go e- could go either way um, I'm encouraging people to check out Dead Snow but like I say I think this sort of qualifies in sort of the almost guilty pleasure end of the spectrum I mean it, <laughs> you, you, you watch it and enjoy it and if you feel you need to cleanse the palate afterwards go rent my dinner with Andre or whatever <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> uh, this movie is not a smart movie and it is a fun movie and for me that's that's enough. Well, and then and then some of the other cliches, like the close up on the carrot, when it's like, oh, is she gonna cut herself? Now? <laughs> yeah, of course she is. <laughs> it's a fun ninety minutes, though. And what was the guy's name? Erland. 
uh, going into the very explicit and effects-heavy portion of the battle royale, uh, I would have to say it was pretty gory when Erlen got his eyes pushed in. Yeah, and his brains splashed out. Yeah, there was, there and then and then fish hooked. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you, there was no question. It wasn't like, oh, is he going to be okay? <laughs> is he going to pull out? No, he's dead. That he's, one's that he's, one's. He's pretty conclusively, absolutely, horribly dead. <laughs> And as far as, uh, and this is more of an inconsistency rather than it really bugged me, but sometimes the zombies are slow and sometimes they were fast. Yeah. That might be, again, a picky, petty point, mm -hmm. but it, you kind of got to pick a lane there. Yeah. You know, or, or what, are they just slow? They just got up. They haven't had their coffee yet. Like, If you want to ask hard questions of this movie, it's not going <laughs> to pass much. It really isn't. But if you want to have fun watching a, a Nazi zombie, and I do think that that's the goal. They're trying to have fun. As much as there are scary moments and as much as there are actually pretty shocking, bloody moments that are kind of felt, the heart of this movie is this is goofy fun. Uh, the, they're making references to movies like Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness because they want to include themselves in that canon. And they're, they, they're good enough filmmakers that I will, I will, I will welcome them into it. That long-haired character, I don't remember his name, but he was hardcore. The one that stitched his own neck up <laughs> yeah. and then mounts that shotgun on the skidoo, or a machine gun on the skidoo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go, there was a hardcore individual. Go home or go hard. Just make sure all the change is out of your pockets. Exactly. <laughs> Martin, the guy when he cuts his arm off, and then he kind of gets that toothy hummer from the zombie that pops out of the snow. <laughs> wow, this is a bad day. Yeah. Like, like, and the, can you give the guy like a couple of minutes to enjoy his triumph? He overcame his his uh, his blood. Yeah, phobia. his blood phobia. And then, no, sorry, yeah, we're, we're so... gonna bite your junk off. <laughs> yeah. Nice try, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> this movie also has another uh, accidental death in it, which I usually like in, in, in horror movies. There's, uh, you know, the situation creates such high stress that people make rash decisions <laughs> or, or, or are you, react. Are you getting into the moral that I took away from the movie that's never tap a guy on the shoulder who's just gone berserk on a zombie with a hatchet? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not recommended. That's um, the grim fairy tale description of that. Especially in this movie I found it shocking because again of its sort of goofiness that moment was really ugly and like and Hannah that character had gone through so much at that point to get back to them and to finally get there only to get <laughs> Well and that's another thing where it kind of uh, in a way I don't know if it breaks the rules or the cliches of the the genre but just in so doing that he's overcome something there's been a success and bang yeah, yeah it, it meant nothing or <laughs> Or then, like you're saying, Hannah gets back, and yeah, but for naught. <laughs> Two steps forward, one step back. Yeah. Okay, so this is the first of two zombie features we have here. Humans versus zombies. And as I said in the introduction, apparently this is a game that is played by uh, nerdy college kids on campuses that are very involved, very rule-oriented. I didn't really get a good grasp of the actual game in the movie. Some of the pe people in the movie are involved in playing the game, but that's about as deep into the, quote, mythology as we're going to get. Mm -hmm. um, basically what we are looking at here is a well-packaged, but just dressed up, micro-budget zombie movie. Yeah. 
Now, I'm on your side if you're a micro-budget zombie movie. I like zombie movies. I'm a, I'm a horror movie guy. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you're trying to make a zombie movie on a low budget does not scare me away. With King Kong vs. Godzilla, we were talking about a movie that to me is kind of in the category of it's so bad it's good. Yes. With this one, and this is just me talking, you can, you can, be, you can disagree, but okay. Humans vs. Zombies is one of those movies that's so bad it's fucking terrible. <laughs> I will agree with you there. This is sort of like my problem with being like a zombie fan and us being in a zombie renaissance. It's just mm-hmm. like every week there's a new zombie title out in the yeah. racks out there and the few places that still spell, sell physical copies of movies. And usually they're fairly cheap, you mm-hmm. know, and they, you know, have good packaging. And I've been suckered in more than a few times. And uh, every now and then you'll find a diamond in the rough, but more often than not, you get things that are crappy. Yeah. But I think that this movie almost distinguishes itself in its crappiness. <laughs> yes, I would totally agree with you. It's, There's nothing unique about it at all. No. It's yeah. kind of punishing. Like, mm-hmm. it feels really long, and I felt kind of bad oh, yeah. that I, like, I assumed that you were not going to like the movie, and then I had this sort of thing, and I'm like, well, what if she does? What then? <laughs> what does the conversation become then? Like. Yeah. I, I do not want this podcast to be about hate and browbaiting and saying this was fucking stupid and this yeah, was yeah. fucking stupid yeah. and if you like this movie, you're stupid. Right, right. I think that's boring to listen to. Yeah. And, like, I'm not about vitriol. There's plenty of other podcasts for that. Mm-hmm. This movie pisses me off. If mm-hmm. it was a person, I would punch it in its face. Yeah. <laughs> I had the same kind of feeling. After I watched <laughs> it, I was like, oh, my God, this was the worst movie. I just wasted my life away a little bit. <laughs> And you look at it's like a 3.9% score or whatever on oh, IMDb okay. and you're like, oh, but these things are so jaded on IMDb. People are so yeah, you, you reactionary know, about horror chance. movies. There'll be like a bunch of people who give it 10 yeah. and a bunch of people who get it 1 and the yeah. truth ends up being, you know, somewhere in between. Especially with the zombie genre of movies. Yeah. There is a real shortage of likable characters in this mm. movie mm-hmm. or relatable ones. I'm all for the sort of the young, dumb archetype kids that I've seen a hundred times in a hundred mm-hmm. different slasher movies. Mm-hmm. But if this is going to become a survival scenario with stakes, there's got to be somebody I can latch on to. Mm-hmm. If not relate to, at least cheer for. Yeah. None. I, I wanted them all to die. <laughs> and in that, yes. at least, the movie does deliver. It does, yeah. I was quite happy by the ending. Yeah, see, but again, I couldn't even get a feeling of relation. We jumped through this huge spoilers, kids. But, yeah. like, yeah, the fact that everybody dies has zero emotional impact. No. And actually, I was cheering for them to die, so... <laughs> Part of the problem is that I don't think this movie has any real sense of tone. I think... This is obviously, I'm feeling like a bunch of first-timers trying to make a movie. I hope that this is a bunch of first-timers trying to make a movie. Yeah. Because that's how it's come off. It really was. Some of the actors are, like, they're doing the best that they can Mm -hmm. with the lines that they are given. Some do better than others. Some are better actors than others. But I'm on their side because I know being on set on the day, that's not easy stuff to do. Yeah. Right? To try and sustain this level of intensity. Yeah. But I don't agree with the sense of humor of the movie when it no. has it. Like, I don't no. think it's funny uh, at all. No. And uh, the scares don't work. No. You're not funny when you're trying to be funny. You're not scary when you're trying yeah. to be scary. Exactly. So. And I found myself actually tuning out for much of the dialogue. 
Um, yeah, like I was thinking about other things because it just didn't hold it me just at all. Dares you to keep watching? <laughs> no, it's like, <sighs> and they were making like the plot line itself. I know it, it's not deep, but it didn't make sense to me. Yeah. Um, it, the the course of events. The basic. There's some science lab where some experiments are yeah. going off. The experiments run awry. People are turning to zombies. There's a big explosion, mm-hmm. and a zombie washes up on a beach. Mm-hmm. There's a zombie in, uh, evasion. Again, usually I'm all about all of these things. These are yeah. familiar, but to me, not deal breaker archetypes. No. But there's just nothing exciting about it at all. No, uh, and. You can tell early in the movie, like the first few things, the first woman who gets bitten by the the zombie in the surf. Yeah. It's not convincingly executed or acted. There's Mm -hmm. no stakes to it. You don't care that this person just died and like Mm -hmm. that persists through the movie. We have uh, uh, this unlikable war veteran security guard protagonist, semi-protagonist that I just don't understand if we're supposed to like them or if we're supposed to like him. Why were supposed... And is a campus cop supposed to have that many guns? No, no. <laughs> I don't think that's safe. I don't feel safer if this is the dude in charge of, like, he's handy to have around yeah. when the zombies come, yeah. but otherwise, he was going to kill some kids. Sooner or later, he was going off the map. <laughs> and if you're going to be a conspiracy theorist, yeah. um, you know, get your conspiracies right. Like, his whole idea of how the virus, like, mutated was totally off. Um, I don't know if you looked into this at all, but he, his whole idea that the virus was transferred, you know, he brought in ants and how, you know, there's a, uh, a, well, he said a virus that controls their mind and all this kind of stuff. What, what it actually is, is a fungus. Um, so it cannot be, you know, it, it cannot be related to this kind of virus at all. So that, I hate it when movies, horror movies try to back things up with yeah. bad science. I don't know, and that's just It's some article that you me. read somewhere of a real thing, so that's going to somehow <laughs> lend credibility to yeah, this. Yeah. I often find, for me, the best solution is to not just, answer the question. No. There are zombies, they have to deal with it. They may ponder while they're trying to sleep at night why the zombies are there, but it's not going to help them survive the situation. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, I don't feel the stakes here at all. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I, um, especially when I watch a zombie movie, um, I really like to see like creative deaths, and mm-hmm. I didn't get any of that. No. Yeah, like you want to see crazy zombies and you know unique things, but it just didn't. Happen. I have things written down on this okay. note, um, and I'm, this is just to back you up on what you're saying because okay. a lot of this doesn't even make sense to me as I like. Uh, I have like things like weird car scenes, dot, dot, dot. It's just this protracted scene in a car of dialogue. I can't remember what I thought was weird about it. But, okay. but like I was trying to find even bad things to say about it. But yeah. I, the bullet point was that it was just joyless and unexciting. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it felt like it was three hours long. Oh, it did. And it I kept really on did. saying, okay, well, obviously <laughs> these guys are new, but there's going to be something. There's going to be this scene or this sequence that's going to happen that's going to make all that's yeah. come before redeemed. Yeah. And that scene just does Never not passed. show up. And it, <laughs> no, it's right. disheartening. Yeah. There's a flashback to a scene that happened like four minutes earlier. There's a very brief, like, oh, remember when we had this conversation with just a... I, I can't remember what plot point was being sent in, but instead of giving you the benefit of doubt that you would remember this p- piece of information, oh, yeah. they actually did an aside and flashed us back. Is to, that to the zombie guide that he was maybe looking at? To, yeah. Like, how do you know if your friend's a zombie kind of yeah. thing? Maybe, yeah. Uh, this movie also brings up uh, an interesting zombie tidbit, and this is for mm-hmm. those hardcore zombie nerds. Okay. 
It was also mentioned in the much, much better zombie movie, Zombie Land, that this predilection of zombies, you're being particularly vulnerable in the bathroom. Okay. And there's a bathroom kill in this movie, right? Um, um yes. Yes. <laughs> I think most of the, I don't know this as a thing in zombie movies. Okay. It's like news and some of the newer zombie movies are trying to make this a scene that, right. that for some reason bathrooms are a specifically dangerous place. And yeah. I just don't know where this is coming from. I guess there's the classic feel of being vulnerable when you're in, you know, yeah. a, a safe place, <laughs> yeah. hopefully. But you can sit on the toilet with a shotgun. You can. You can. <laughs> and I don't know why they would be specifically yeah. attracted to it. Um, and infected people sex is not safe sex. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I totally agree with you there. Yeah, yeah. They're, you know, trying to bring you everything, and they're sure they're, they're, there's plenty of side boob and mm, computer violence yeah. and whatnot, but uh, the zombie environment is so particularly unsexy. Like, the, Oh, yeah. And even in, like, quote, serious zombie movies, it's really hard for me to buy any kind of, like, romantic moment of levity angle. This is... Yeah. Pure survival. Yeah, exactly. If anything, like, procreation is, like, a huge fucking <laughs> obstacle, right? It's you want a little baby with you that's, like, a little no. crying dinner bell? No. No. Right? No. Not at <laughs> no. all. Yeah. Uh, so, again, just trying to force that in, clearly just for the sake of having some boobies yeah, in the movie. Yeah, totally. Totally. <sighs> Definitely. And, and, again, there's no logic to that character. He knows everything about zombies. He knows yeah. that she's been bit, but he's going to have sex with her yeah. and stay with her and not expect the inevitable to fucking happen <laughs> exactly. to him. And we're supposed to, again, feel something. I know. I'm sorry. Again, I feel like I'm rolling over you. Is there anything no. ha uh, ha hateful that you would like to add to this sort of uh, um, punching bag? That we're <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I, I just didn't understand. Um, I know this is kind of delving into more of the plot line, but I just didn't understand why they would leave the hardware store to go to a church. Um, <laughs> that seemed illogical to me. Um, I don't think, like... It's not a magical place when it comes to zombies. No, it's not no. like a vampiric, yeah, sort of exactly. demonic thing. I, yeah. I don't get that. And then somehow the priest that lived there was uh, ex-military and got sprayed somehow so that zombies don't like him. <laughs> I don't know. It, it just it did not make sense at all. And that was... Again, they were, it seemed like they were trying to justify with some kind of science, um, you know, a plot line that just... It didn't hold up, so... Very brutally obvious yeah. setups, like yeah. the, the the redneck security guard saying to the bumbling, not as good security guards that somebody yeah. like to oh shoot him in the god, face. Oh my god, yes. Well, I wonder where this yeah, is going to lead. Totally, you totally know. <sighs> yeah, exactly. Oh, like, like five minutes into the movie, you've sort of seen the movie and you know it's lame, but there's like 90 minutes to go and it's like a long, long, mm -hmm. slow road. Mm -hmm. Challenge. It was a challenge. Challenge. Too Here's a challenge to you and a oh, challenge okay. to me. Let's say something nice about humans versus zombies. <laughs> Is there something okay. positive that I can dig out of this? Oh, gee. Um, uh, wow. Boobies. Boobies. <laughs> there we go. Uh, uh, yeah. I got nothing. No. So this is not a recommend. No, and it's not. Spoilers for the Ranker review. Yeah. I did not see a worse movie than this one. Oh. This <laughs> so it wasn't just me. Okay. <laughs>
whiskey here flowing, we'll have ourselves a little chat. Well, that's a fair trade, then. So tell me, how did you start out in your life a crime? Well, I suppose I'd have to go back a bit. Back to when I first met Willie. Willie got me into the trade. Grave rub? Yeah. Mm. Bloody good one, too. Mainly, though, we were under the thumb of one Dr. Vernon Quint. He was a fiend. I need more corpses, and I need them now. I don't care where they come from. Fanny Bryars. Oh, I was, I was Arthur says I'm You are our apprentice, not our partner. You gotta rein it in a little low. I'm sick of being broke. You stupid cow! Get run-ins with a crowd of lunatics called the House of Murphy. Well, let me tell you, I love this trade, Mr. Blake. <laughs> so, I said this is a list of original movies. This is a film called I Sell the Dead. It's the debut feature from Glenn McQuaid. And it is the life story of a grave robber. Um, it's like a hobbit meets Hellboy. Dominic Monaghan is uh, being interviewed by Ron Perlman, this uh, priest who's come to hear his story. And uh, they're sharing a bottle of booze, and uh, on the eve of his execution, on the eve of his execution, his partner, he is told, is already executed. And uh, the movie opens with us seeing that act going down, um, and we see a series of stories of adventures and misadventures that happen to these two colorful grave robbers. Um, I've I've not seen this movie before. It's very clearly inspired by these guys, Burke and Hare, who. Um, were hired by those people doing medical research. Anatomists. Anatomists yeah. to acquire corpses. The fresher, the better. And these two men ended up turning to murder to meet the supply of the demand. And I think the doctors kind of turned a blind eye because they didn't like dissecting, bloating, maggot-filled, rotten corpses <laughs> either. And they were trying to justify it in the forwarding of education and medical science. Lives would be saved by this death. Um, but he also wanted to include zombies, aliens, and vampires. So, uh... <laughs> oh, did I mention there's zombies, aliens, and vampires in this as well? Uh, we also get a treat of, uh, yes, Angus Grimm, the tall man from Phantasm, also shows up here playing a son of a bitch. <laughs> mm -hmm. The doctor, the unscrupulous doctor. And, uh, for me, the member of the cast I haven't mentioned yet, but who I think gets special mention... Uh, Larry Fessenden, uh, who I think gives the best performance of the movie, uh, and uh, he is himself, in his own right, uh, a, a really good writer-director, and uh, usually when he gets an acting gig, it's one scene and he dies. It happens in at least half a dozen movies I can name, that Larry Fessenden shows up for one scene and dies, but no, uh, he and uh, basically shares the lead with this movie, with uh, Dominic Monaghan, mm -hmm. and... Uh, I think he really nailed it. <laughs> he does an excellent Cockney accent. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to lie, I've seen this sort of character before. Okay. Um, just because, as you know, I'm uh, very interested in the Goblins tradition, <laughs> uh, or the Dickensian tradition, I guess, is what maybe more literary types. Oh, we Yes, which basically just involves poor uh, British people whacking each other. Yes. Um, but yeah, he does a great uh, performance in this, even if it's uh, a stereotype that I've <laughs> seen before. 
And this is a funny movie. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's charming. It's also obviously, like I talked about with Phantasm, fairly low budget. Yes. Ambitiously show, so. And I think other than a few very obvious CG shots that you just kind of take on the chin... I like the movie enough that I roll with those punches. Mm -hmm. More so than I would argue that I did in, in Phantasm, anyway. <laughs> well, in this one, you can actually see the budget, or lack of budget, showing in some of the performances as well. Um, I'm thinking of uh, John Sparadakos, I think his name. He plays uh, this evil Irishman, right. and he just butchers his accent. <laughs> And it doesn't, instead of coming out threatening like they wanted him to, it just... More comic. Yeah, well, it was just tin, tin to my ears. And I can't imagine what it must have been like for Irish director uh, Glenn McQuaid. <laughs> yeah, that. to have to put up with that. Yep. Uh, I love his backstory, though, about his daddy crushing a series of precious items. <laughs> Until finally one day he's given a rabbit where he kills and eats it himself before daddy can get to it. So there, dad. <laughs> this is the kind of dark imagination that runs throughout the movie. And it's the kind of episodes that happen in the movie as well. That you, you can't really expect this huge overarching plot. In fact, you're only about halfway through the movie before we start even hinting that there's an antagonist yeah. behind the scenes. Um. I liked that there were actually some actual neat scares in this one, too. Uh, there's a scene the very first time they run into the undead, because once again, the idea of the supernatural is... It's just slowly introduced. Yes, yeah. very slowly introduced. And so, okay, there's undead in this world, we discover, when they find a woman and she gets up when she's supposed to be dead. She's been buried at a crossroads, right? Yes. Yes. And I just love the scene where the camera focuses down at her feet. And we see her stumbling towards them. And then all of a sudden they just lift right off the and ground. drag toward them. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's super creepy. Made the, made the hairs on my uh, neck stand up. There's also a great shot where we, we have a panning camera shot. They go from Monaghan to Larry Fessenden, back to Monaghan, back to the empty space where Larry Fessenden <laughs> has run away in terror. Yes. It was visual gags. It sort of winks of uh, Sam Raimi, but a much more restrained uh, sort of hand there. Yeah. We, uh, or I mentioned that it's not exactly a period piece either because... I detected that there's world building going on in this rather than it being set in uh, a specific time in the British Isles. At first I wrote it off because I, uh, uh, you know, stuff like the guillotine, why would they have a guillotine in, right. in England? I thought, well, that's just historically inaccurate. I, uh, I actually have a published work um, <laughs> which is on the subject of grave robbing called Rosie's Knife. <laughs> anyway, so I know a lot, a lot about this subject, uh, looked into it beforehand, and so these inaccuracies, I thought, well, they didn't do their research. But then it becomes apparent on a boat ride over to an island that they're taking when Dominic Monaghan's character starts talking about the fishing village he was in, yeah. and the monsters there, that this isn't, this is not our world. This is kind of a much darker world. Yeah, where people <laughs> the, the shrieking eels were about to erupt from the water, possibly. Yeah, and where, but it's also an interesting world in that people seem to be aware of the supernatural, but kind of okay with it. But yeah, uh, they, they getting what are you gonna do? <laughs> getting terrified, 
by the supernatural dead is uh, just kind of an annoyance, really. Yeah. Right? You know, it happens and it's like, oh, God. And then you have to hit it with a shovel to make it shut up, right? Uh, yeah, it's, it's neat. It's, I laughed a lot when, when, you know, for instance, Larry Fessenden had run away in that scene and he comes back. and He does come yeah. back to his credit. <laughs> and whacks the undead woman with the shovel. Yeah. Shovel whacking is one of my favorite ways. Uh, and I like because they're... All that these guys want, really, is to be able to go to the bar and get drunk at the end of every night. That's basically all that they work and live for. I mean, they're, they're drunks. Um, and most of their best war stories that he's sharing with them are failures, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only episode that they sort of win is the one with the vampire, because they're able to break free of Angus Scrim by handing him this uh, corpse. There's another great scene where they keep removing the stake out of the woman's chest. And as soon as the stake comes up, she erupts with violence and then they stab her again. And Larry Pesant seems to be turning her on and off just to amuse himself after a point. Just utterly unfazable. Uh, and how nasty they are about the work. Like breaking just a small hole in the lid of the coffin and then tying a rope around the body and just winching it out. You hear crunching as the body is being pulled out of the soul. <laughs> Awful, but hilarious, you know? Yeah. I gotta say, I mean, I really... Uh, I love the ambition of this movie. Like, uh, you would think, probably on paper, this would still read like a very big-budget production. And uh, he he was able to read in a good cast here. And uh, it, it's produced and distributed by Larry Fessenden's uh, production company, which probably helped him get the part. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Um, but they give good horror movies. They also produced this uh, solid vampire one called Stakeland. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I I'm, I like this movie a lot, and I kind of like that the brand. Um, I'm sorry, Glass Eye Picks is the name of his distribution company, production company, and uh, he's got a good eye for horror. They managed to do a lot with the obviously small budget, and that. It includes even getting an orchestral score, yeah. which is very impressive because you've got to pay those people. Don't phone it in. And uh, even, well, I guess not really animation, but uh, we go to sort of almost comic book stills to people at times. You keep on throwing stuff at you, uh, and you don't know where you're going to go next. All of a sudden, there's a story where they're digging up a frozen coffin. And, uh, yeah, uh, lights in the sky. They have some sort of frozen dead baby alien or something. <laughs> like, all of a sudden the movie turns into Repo Man for a second. Uh, it is all over the place, and it should be a mess, but I don't think it's a mess. I think it's pretty charming, <laughs> you know? Quite um, charming. It might not necessarily be for everyone, but for genre fans... Absolutely. Seek out I Sell the Dead. I think it's totally worth a look. It's also, for all the stuff we're telling you, it's like less than 90 minutes long. I did want to talk a little bit about spoilers. Okay. For this movie, because I wanted to talk about the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> end of the movie is perfect, but continue. <laughs> um, we, we find out that Hellboy, <laughs> um, sorry, Ron Perlman, was the father of the... Uh, <laughs> The Irishman, or the would-be wannabe Irishman who they'd uh, zombified on the island. He inherited his bad Irish accent from Indeed. his dad, apparently. <laughs> but this was this whole interview was a long subterfuge, so he could torture this man to death as revenge. 
Um, but lo and behold, Larry Fessenden saves the day because he himself was bit by a zombie and just cutting off his head is not going to kill him. And I laugh out loud every time uh, because his inability to be shocked by anything continues. He just <laughs> mutters, I've come off all supernatural. <laughs> It's the best thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> you know what we should do? We should take you to that island and get you a nibble. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I, I kind of feel bad spoiling that part of the movie, but like, it's just that dark humor throughout the movie I love so much. And uh, the fact that, yeah, this it, it almost, it's like a mini TV series in itself. You could have like episodes of episodes of these two <laughs> <laughs> bumbling drunken buffoons in their dark misadventures because I'd come back for more I would watch the sequel to this <laughs> anything else you want to say about I Saw the Dead? what more can be said got another French movie here uh, and it is called Mutants yes the French film Mutants and it is directed by a man named David Morgan and I don't know him very well this is the only film of his that I have uh, had a chance to see um, this is one of these uh, zombie movies in disguise I was just talking with my friend Karen Giese about mm-hmm. 28 Days Later, and there's a whole contingent on the internet who get upset when you call 28 Days Later a zombie movie, because it's <laughs> not a zombie movie, it's a virus movie, and, ah. and uh, they're not undead, and you don't have to shoot them in the brain, they're people, they're just sick, they're not zombies. <laughs> it's like people get, the template of zombies is so familiar, they just have to vaguely disguise it, but yeah. screw you guys, 28 Days Later is a zombie movie, it just is, we're just going to all have to accept that. <laughs> <laughs> um, mutants is another case of this where there is clearly some sort of viral epidemic mm-hmm. and it's changing people and making them act out and be really super aggressive it seems to be happening everywhere we sort yeah. of it's already out there we sort of start in the middle of it um, but and the difference is they sort of mutate they like look like these slimy yeah. sharp toothed golem creatures as they change and the change seems to be a lot slower than you see in the zombie movies much much slower uh, so uh, but at its core it is a zombie mm-hmm. movie in that people have to hide people are being sieged you don't know who to save there's a war for supplies every it's a struggle for survival mm-hmm. and everybody is having the struggle and we are watching this one pocket of humanity try to survive this apocalypse of sorts specifically this uh, our protagonist and her uh, boyfriend who have taken shelter in, I think, what was an abandoned hospital or yeah. asylum in the middle of a fairly beautiful-looking but bleak, uh, at the same time, winter landscape. Yeah. And he's clearly been bitten, and he is clearly slowly deteriorating. And she herself, in an echo to a previous movie, is pregnant and not well, not healthy. Yeah. <clears throat> so she's desperate to survive, and she's scared both of the threats of the mutants, or I'm going to call them zombies, because that's just going to come out. They're, <laughs> they're, they're gonna, zombies. They're zombies. Uh, these zombie mutant things uh, are a threat, and other people that she comes across have already proven themselves to be not trustworthy. Mm-hmm. So 
The fight for survival is she's made more vulnerable. Her husband's deteriorating, and she's got this bun in the oven that she's got to protect. <laughs> and uh, uh, there's the illusion of safety in the solitude, but yep. they couldn't have picked a creepier place to hide. It's like the classic horror movie template, you know. Shit's going down. Let's find the creepiest <laughs> place that we can possibly... Let's go to the old Madden amusement park, you know. Then you're you're, you're walking to your yeah. death. And anyway, um, such is the setup for mutants. Surviving in an isolated hospital. Zombies are attacking. What did you think? Why do people always go to hospitals in zombie? <laughs> when, when the, it's like, that's clearly where it will have start and spread the worst. You so I, I, was, I was expecting a lot more... Dread around every dread corner? Dread around every corner. But that's, that's not where the dread comes from. The dread comes when other people show up. This is a classic template with yeah. the zombie structure. I know you say relatively new to the, the genre. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you're watching The Walking Dead. If you're not, you probably should be. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the idea is that the zombies are a threat or the mutants are a threat. But if you've got some salt in you and you've got some survival skills... They are a survivable mm-hmm. threat. The, the the real danger is other people. Yeah. Uh, and that was established by George Romero in Night of the Living Dead, and you'll see it in almost any good zombie movie okay. that you find. So it's definitely present here. Uh, does it make it a good movie or not? Well, that remains to be seen. <laughs> the subplot where she, she says she's been bitten and she's okay, so she can use her own blood as an antidote, I was a little... I don't know. It seemed like hope-based science. Yeah. Because <laughs> she just wanted her husband to be better, but yeah. she did seem legit because she did get bitten and she did recover. So she's not lying. And uh, she would be an asset in this she world. Be, she would be an asset. I just didn't quite believe that the EMT would have the the background to, to know that. make that. Well, maybe to, to know that and to know that she's an asset, but not the, not necessarily the, the, the chemistry or the science, the bi- microbiology chops to make it work. Right. Well, yeah, she does have some medical skills. Yeah. We know this and she is able to defend herself when necessary. <laughs> we see her blow the head off of an adversary <laughs> quite early in the movie. We know she's capable of defending herself yeah. and, uh, but like I say, it's she's a ticking clock. Uh, the, that sort of suspense of the the baby growing inside her and the deterioration and sort of the yin and yang. Mm-hmm. Her husband's fading away while the baby is growing. Um, yeah, I, I understand the horror of it. This is typically, and I don't know if this is a complaint, but this is something I'm saying out loud, an element of a zombie movie. There's like mm-hmm. a, a whole group of characters and there's typically... A guy gets bit, or a girl gets yeah. bit, and then there's the boyfriend who just can't accept it, and is going to stick with them to the bitter end, even though they just know yeah. it's not going to end well. So like I say, this is typically a B-plot in your other zombie movies that gets A-focus in this. I love the production value of this mm-hmm. movie. I love how creepy every hallway is, and you're right, you're expecting attacks around every corner. This isn't that. It sort of flares up. There's sort of shocking bits of violence, and then things get quiet, and they unsettling and unsettling. And then a shocking burst of violence, but it's not around every corner. This is not wrecking that regard. No. 
I think that if they had more going on than just this B-roll storyline, that this would have been like an utterly epic zombie movie, mm-hmm. because I love how much love has been put into the making of it. But because I'm a connoisseur of all things <laughs> zombies, and because I see a lot, a lot, a lot of zombie movies, yeah. I can't say there's anything in this movie, aside from maybe the look of the zombies, that I have not seen before and quite a few times. Yeah. And and even, you know, being newer coming in, I don't feel like it's treading a lot of new ground. No. And uh, that's not bad. I mean, I, like <laughs> I say, there's going to be another zombie movie next week about a group of survivors holed up in some place, and Larry will get around to watching yeah. it. Just like there will be another movie about a shark eating swimmers at a beach, and Larry will get around Gosh. to watching it, because it's just like, you chum the waters and we'll swim up. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, there's nothing wrong with being that. Another slasher movie or another ghost movie or another... It's just like, you sort of bring your own little piece to bear. And I guess what this movie brought, more than anything else, what stands out about it, is the production values. Um, Every set looks very well considered, and uh, the violence and sort of the visceral, like, horror aspect of the movie works really, really well. But the story is just familiar, familiar, familiar. Yeah, it's it's all it's all it, it's very. It's like an Ike- piece of IKEA furniture where it's very nice and it's all assembled, very very well, but it's not exciting. Mm-hmm. And, I almost fall back on that. I, I I'm sure I was guilty of it at one time. A lot of people are of giving movies automatically more credit because it's a quote unquote foreign film. Yeah, we'll give it a pass, you know, <laughs> because it, it's a different culture. I'm, you know? I'm missing something in the in the cultural transition. There's a fairly fun Spanish zombie movie that could have been in this list called Juan of the Dead. I've it's, seen Juan of the there Dead. There you go. Yeah. Uh, it's a fairly fun, engaging movie, but there's some like uncomfortable homophobic humor to yeah. it, right? But I give it a pass because. Because it's just you know the the it's a the, it's so much fun. In it's so a many fun, other silly movie. That, you know, we'll just let it go, yeah. right? Uh, and I I'm wondering if this isn't how I feel about mutants. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like it wants to be this epic, brilliant, super huge, awesome horror movie. Yeah, and it's a pretty good horror movie. <laughs> yeah, it start it starts well. It starts well with characters like making intelligent decisions and like the 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 uh, the army girl was like insisting, no, we can't try and save this person. We have to shoot them. We have to shoot them now. Yeah, yeah. it's. I think it started strong. Yeah, we establish our main character as completely able to defend herself. She's certainly not this hysterical save me, yeah. rescue me hero. She is our protagonist and the hero figure of the movie, but. That being the case, I think that there's nothing that I didn't know that she didn't know when Mm -hmm. she arrived at the hospital. Her husband was going to turn and try to kill her. And other people were going to find this place and try to take it. And she doesn't take a lot of steps to accept that her husband's going to change, I guess we'll take that, but to prepare herself and prevent these other people. Um, And if she'd been bitten before and cured you'd think an intelligent person would realize how important he would be to the world. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that maybe, as dangerous as it might be, finding if there's anything left of society yeah. that you can tether yourself to, as opposed to driving random barren highways. Running out of gas. Uh, that could be a budgetary thing, because they didn't have the money to show us the evil chaos of the cities mm-hmm. where everybody's overrun and there's mutants around in every shadow, you know. 
but obviously this is a much more contained thing. They had this great location, yeah. and it is great. It is. And uh, that's where the bulk of the movie is, and they suck all of the, the atmosphere that they can out of it. But, yeah, like I said, familiar elements. Mm-hmm. Uh, well made, worth a look. But uh, I sort of felt like I was forgetting it a little bit while I was watching <laughs> it, too. Yeah. Uh, again, and then sometimes I want that, you know? Sometimes you, know, sometimes you <laughs> want a real big meal, something that you can duck into, and sometimes you just want something to watch that's not a test pattern, you yeah. know? The comfort of familiarity. Uh, this one, the hardest thing about it is that there's subtitles. But it is so beautifully shot, you could yeah. almost watch it with the sound off. And, really. and the subtitles are... The subtitles are well done. I didn't notice any like real problems, yeah. and I know like just enough French to know if they've <laughs> done it wrong. So that was. Uh, and uh, it, 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 I'm comforted that I can say positive things about the other French movie because I felt like <laughs> I took like this huge hot wet shit all over. They came back and uh, uh, mutants. It's familiar, mm-hmm. but it's completely competent. I would watch another film directed by David Morley. Yes, I think the cast is talented. The production is great, and it definitely earns the reputation that the French has been getting for being able to knowing how to yeah. handle a horror movie. Uh, a lot of the times they're a little bit too, and I have a rich taste for this. A lot of times they're a little too harsh for my taste. Okay. The French are just like they do violence almost too well sometimes. <laughs> um, uh, and the, that's actually true in this movie. The yeah. violence is quite extreme yeah. and believable. I mean, they look like yeah. monsters. Yeah, but... the, the 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 physicality is absolutely realistic, yeah. and that's. No, I'm I'm a little bit of a stage combat junkie, so that makes me. Happy. Well, that's good, and, and this is something that I mean, and I don't. This might be a sensitive nerve to you, for you. <laughs> I, I I like the the Ripley character, the alpha female, yeah. sort of defending herself and kicking ass. But if that's the case, if you're doing that, I have to believe that she's capable yeah. of defending herself against. So this is the thing, like the Resident <laughs> Evil movies, and I know they're terrible and whatnot. She's this really beautiful girl, um, and uh, she's like 90 pounds soaking wet, and she punches a guy, and he like breaks through a wall, and I just don't believe the physics, the math of that Mm -hmm. just doesn't ring true to me. Um, They're really good at making me believe it in this scenario, that she is... Uh, she's small, but she's tough, yeah. and, and she's a scrapper, and that, you know, they're not, they're not faking it. She's not, she's not starting at the ladies' tea at the, <laughs> at the risk of being yeah. offensive. No, uh, no. she is all out. She is our protagonist, and she kicks ass throughout the film, and it's refreshing. Yeah. So we can like that about it. <laughs> <laughs> It does bother me when, like, yeah, all of a sudden this tiny no, girl I'm... child, like, is just capable of way more strength than has been demonstrated before. And that does happen in movies sometimes. Oh, yeah. A little bit often. Like, this is why superhero movies are getting really difficult for me to watch. Right. Because I want my action to be credible. Right. It doesn't, you know, it does, all of the math doesn't have to exactly work out, but I want it. I don't want to have to like leave my disbelief outside. I just want to put it on the seat next to me. I'll put it this way. I know nothing about physics, yeah. so I don't want to have to look at something and say, that's bad physics, because I shouldn't know that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
Anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm recommending mutants, but I'm not falling over myself. Yeah. Is that about where you are? I or? think so. It's like, if somebody, I'm not going to run around going, you have to watch mutants. If somebody goes, hey, have you seen mutants? I'm going to go, yeah, it's worth watching. It's Again, for my zombie people out there, and I know I've got listeners who are big on the zombies. Mm-hmm. If you like zombie movies, uh, this is one worth seeking out. Like yeah. I said, good production values, and it's French. You get a little, little global zombie into, yeah. into your library. Absolutely. Worth a look. It's not a bad movie. It's not amazing. Yeah. And so it was that it came time for me to rank all 18 of these zombie films in this Festival of the Dead. And now I know a lot of you are going to have problems with me, including the Evil Dead movies there. Um, I know those are possessed people, demonic, not necessarily strictly speaking zombies, but you know what? I'm just going to ask you to live with it. In the last two episodes we have reviewed 18 zombie movies, and the movie that I think has the unpleasant distinction of being the worst of them is indeed Humans vs. Zombies. Now how did it manage to score the 18th position over the 17th position, which is Burial Grounds, the Knights of Terror? I do think that some of the awkwardness and the strangeness and uh, the dubbing, the gratuitous nudity, there's something bizarrely fascinating about burial grounds that might hold your attention more than humans versus zombies. But that's about as nice as I can be about either of those titles. In 16th place, and this is personal, they came back. I know they were trying to do something philosophical and emotional, but... I can't really recommend it, it sort of put me to sleep. In 15th position, the unfortunately placed Exit Humanity. I love Canadian-made films, I love low-budget cinema, and I love zombies, movies that are ambitious. Exit Humanity is all of those things, and yet just not that great. It's a movie I like for what it wants to be, more than it is. In 14th position, Flight of the Living Dead. It's completely stupid, completely empty, and yet somehow watchable. In 13th place, the French film Mutants. Again, the definition of zombie here is a little bit looser. The production values are amazing, but the story is kind of simplistic. I do think it's worth seeking out for real aficionados of the genre, but Mutants doesn't quite make the top half of the list. Another curious title comes in at number 12, that would be Trailer Park of Terror. It's funny, it's strange, the zombies are more sort of demonic revenants, but I think that zombie fans would probably enjoy this picture, so check out Trailer Park of Terror. In 11th position, Cockneys vs. Zombies. A fairly successful zombie comedy, Uh, gets the job done, doesn't blow anyone's minds, but it's fun. In 10th position, I Sell the Dead, and I think the only reason it doesn't rank higher is that it's very limited in its zombie spectrum. I Sell the Dead is so ambitious that uh, zombies only take up a small part of it, but I do think that it's something people should seek out. So in 10th position, I Sell the Dead. In 9th position, Robert Rodriguez's Planet Terror, or as I like to call it, the good half of Grindhouse. It's quick, it's fun, it's stupid, it's violent, and sometimes that's exactly what I want. In eighth position, Dead Snow. 
It's everything that you would want as far as zombie gore and violence. It's funny and bizarre, and it's got the sinister angle of Nazi zombies. So, have a look. It's really doing everything it can to entertain. In seventh place, the Kiwi Zombie Sheep Picture Black Sheep. I don't know what to say other than if you haven't got around to it, do indeed check it out. In sixth position, Zombieland. Woody Harrelson kicks zombie ass. It's a lot of fun, a lot of laughs, and it does not spare on the zombie violence. It's a Zomcom you can really, really take home to mom and dad. In fifth place, Army of Darkness. I think it's the funniest of the Evil Dead franchise, and it's got a lot to offer, but it doesn't scare, and it's almost more stupid than anything else. But it is gloriously stupid. In fourth position, the original Evil Dead. It is a classic, but it is undeniably handmade. It's inspiring to watch to see how much can be accomplished with so little, and the fact that it still holds up relatively well today despite the production values is worthy of praise indeed. All the way in third position, surprising many, will be Night of the Creeps. This is a zombie comedy that is way ahead of its time. It's got absolutely everything you want to be entertained, and I think it's one that a lot of people might have missed. Check out Night of the Creeps. In second place, the always awesome cult classic, Evil Dead 2. This is clearly the best of the Evil Dead franchise, and it is the reason that people love Bruce Campbell. And in first position, once again retaining the title, Shaun of the Dead, the zombie movie for everyone. their brains blown up or have crawled back into the grave to have a little nap. So uh, I hope you enjoyed that mega feast of zombie cinema and I hope you are anticipating some new rank and review in the future because it is heading your way. This is your host and around Canadian Larry Parsons thanking you so much for all the support to the podcast. Please write me at rankandreview at gmail.com that's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com Seek out the podcast on Facebook, seek it out on iTunes, and just tell that other friend in your life that loves the movies that there's this podcast called Rank and Review, and it's been waiting for them. 